1: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I am Frank Moreno. You know, when I was a... I don't read much um, fiction these days. But when I was in grade school, I loved it. I always loved to read. And when I was, you know, a little tyke, second, third, fourth grade, whatever, I used to love these choose-your-own-adventure books or secret path books. You you ever read these books? I, I thought they were so much fun. Essentially, there were these series of children's games books where each story is written from a second-person point of view, with the reader essentially assuming the role of the protagonist and making choices that determine the main character's uh, actions and the plot's outcomes. And it's really, I I think, still one of the most clever things you are. It's early video games, basically, or early role-playing games. And I'm sure these these books have been around for 40 years. I don't know if you ever read them, but I thought it was so much fun. You know, if you would do this, go to page 41. If you would not do this, go to page 52. And then you keep getting these situations where you're at a crossroads and you get to pick that or pick that. And I always think of those books because they were so much fun and they always kept me interested. So now we are going to let Matt Blaze... Choose his own adventure. Uh, Matt Blaze, how are you, by the way? How was your weekend? Very good. What would you do? Anything exciting?
2: No, nothing no. nothing out of the ordinary. You That's know. the least surprising thing all I've weekend. heard.
1: Well, uh, today was a nice... Well, Sunday was a nice day.
2: Yeah, today was a nice but I was here early, so...
1: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, Saturday, you're right. Saturday was pretty crummy. Uh, we'll talk about that. Now, uh, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm not going to give you any context behind this choice. All right. Here's the choice. Ready? Um, Hiccups or Andrew Cuomo?
2: Oh, hiccups.
1: Hiccups. Okay. Hiccups indeed. All right. Uh, So we are going to talk about this Buffalo shooting a little bit later, but I'll be honest. I have a need to discuss things other than the Buffalo shooting because if I have to talk about an 18-year-old murdering 10 people, in cold blood, and just read the stories of these victims, I'm going to cry for four hours, and I don't want to cry for four hours, and I don't think you want to listen to me blubbering into the radio for four hours. So, on to hiccups instead of Andrew Cuomo, as chosen by Matt Bley. See, there's no telling. Had he chosen the Andrew Cuomo path, he might have been faced with another adventure to choose eight minutes later. So we don't know what would have happened had he selected Andrew Cuomo. Or had I gone to Philippe instead? And Philippe might have been a different joy. But hiccups it is. Five hours ago, I received an all-too-true SMS text message from, of all people, my brother Nicholas, Nicholas Carmine Morano, a Ph.D. And to my knowledge, the first Morano ever to be a Ph.D., at least, you know, in our family. I'm sure there's some Ph.D. who is a You know, Murano somewhere, but not us. So anyway, we are – so he's the fellow that's getting married in Hawaii and so forth. Now, he messages me, can you ask your listeners what's what's going on here? Because I have had hiccups that will not go away for about five days. So my brother, Nick, who's a very healthy guy who, uh, you know, is a runner, a, a terrific athlete, very healthy guy. He has had these hiccups, which, to my understanding, will not go away for five days. And he said, well, can you figure out what can you talk to your listeners? Because I know they're good with this kind of thing. Can you talk with your listeners and see if they have any suggestion on how to do away with this? And I said, you know, if Matt Blaze chooses this as our adventure, then I will ask. So I am asking that question right now. If you have had hiccups for more than a couple of days, what do you do about them? What do you think that means? Now, you could try and scare somebody, right? I, I don't know that that really works. Whenever somebody tells me they have hiccups, I always try and scare them, and it never seems to work. So you could do that. You could try – I always like the water drinking method. I always found that to be very successful. I can't remember the last time I had hiccups, honestly. But, you know, it's – I don't know what it was. But anyway, so you chug water basically for 40, 50 seconds straight, which is is tougher than it sounds. But you just just chug a bottle or a glass of water, and I have always found that is pretty helpful. Other people have tried peanut butter. Now, what do you do? 800-848-WABC. It's 800-848-9222. Let me tell you what's coming up on the show today. We're going to do the serious and the not-so-serious. On the serious front, my friend Frank McKay, who has been helping us chronicle this uh, Long Island serial killer case, there was a, a big update on this story on Friday with the release of this 911 audio in the death of Shannon Gilbert, who a lot of people believe was the first victim of this Long Island serial killer. We're going to get into that uh, at 2.30. And uh, I am very excited 15 minutes from now to talk with a um, legendary actor and a great guy. And I used to say whenever people would ask me, who's the nicest celebrity that you've ever meet, uh, ever met, my answer was always in an instant John Travolta. Now I think my answer is our next guest. Kelsey Grammer. I've been a fan of Kelsey Grammer's for years. Loved him on Cheers. Loved him on Frasier. Loved him in everything that he's done, from Star Trek The Next Generation to Down Periscope uh, to to The Simpsons. Sideshow Bob on The Simpsons. To me, there's nobody that has a voice quite like Kelsey Grammer. He was in Atlantic City this weekend, and we're going to talk with him about being out there coming up in about 15 minutes. He was out there uh, promoting his beer. So we're going to talk about beer. We're going to talk about the new Frasier reboot. And I was asking uh, Michael uh, Michael Hawk the other day all about this uh, this new Fox Nation series where Kelsey Grammer goes through these historical battles. Now that we have Kelsey Grammer on the show, I'm going to ask Kelsey about it as well. So that's coming up in about 15 minutes. You're not going to want to miss that. If you're thinking of going to bed, don't even think about it. Turn up the volume a little bit higher, in fact. Uh, because we're getting, we've are getting we got a lot to get to. 800 John in New Jersey. My brother Nick has hiccups. What can be done?
3: Hey, uh, first of all, Frank, nice to talk to you. Thanks, you too. I want um, well, to let him know that uh, actually a cause of, like, hiccups for days. Wait, wait, what is? Be, what is a cause of hiccups for days? It could be either a problem with his diaphragm or it could be, like, he has, like, a hair in his eardrum that's stuck in his eardrum that would actually cause those two things can cause hiccups well now
1: a hiccup is uh, you know under all circumstances whether you have a hiccup for for um, drinking or for some any other reason a hiccup is a spasm in your diaphragm muscle so I, I could buy that but um this thing that you mentioned about the hair in the ear is not something that i've ever heard
3: um oh. what can be done yeah, actually it, what can be I had a best uh oh, I'm sorry, Frank, I, no, no I it's okay. i growing up. I had a best friend growing up who uh, had that problem, and uh, he went to the doctor, and the doctor actually pulled out he had a he got a haircut and he had a few hairs that were lodged way deep in his ear, like all the way inside by his eardrum. after the doctor took him out, um he were he didn't have hiccups anymore,
1: interesting. So maybe my brother got a haircut or something, and he ended up with an errant.
3: E- hair in there. yeah and then um I was gonna say like I've only like, in my lifetime I've only kept once every time when I get hiccups I'll uh ch- I'll just drink right away and hold my breath um I only that's what once. I do
1: that's what I do and I found that to be very effective and he said he tried it but so far that hasn't worked thank you very Nobody much
3: should check his ears
1: well th- that's good advice so I'm putting that down on the list here uh check Ears, okay, and then maybe just get an ear, get an ear hair plucked if need be. Thank you. All right, so that's good. See, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Check ears, Sherry in Brooklyn. You have a, a theory onto the Nicholas chronic hiccup issue?
4: Well, I don't know about. what he Has them? It could be maybe he's got wet injuries, but uh, he's got what? A piece of lemon, a piece of lemon, sugar, angostor bitters. Okay, lemon, sugar lemons, sugar, and bitters. Right, and then put the sugar on the lemon, put some bitters on it, and bite into the lemon and swallow it. It should help. All right. Okay, lemon,
1: sugar, and bitters. I am going yeah, it's to. A, it's,
3: it's a bartender's cure for hiccups.
1: Hey, I, I like it. I like it. Thank you, Sherry. Um, and so I, I see we're still having this issue with the phones, I guess. <laughs> the phone has hiccups. The phone has hiccups. That's what it sounds like. Mary Beth on Long Island. Hello.
5: Good morning. First of all, I'm not seeing the red moon. I don't know what's going on out there. Um, Does anybody see it? Well, um, so we
1: apparently, because of the cloud cover here, it's a little rough. Uh, But if you go on to NASA's website, uh, they have, you can watch it online. But uh, in our area, I'm not seeing it.
5: I know, and it's not the same, Frank. Um, I'm sorry, I was going to say, how long is it until the wedding? Is he nervous?
1: Um I don't think he's nervous but if if he was nervous he wouldn't tell me. You know he, okay. that's so you think it could be nerves.
5: Well actually I also think um you know the PhD Dr. Morano should go to an MD Dr. Morano. I mean I wouldn't play around with this. It's, it's uncomfortable but you know this could come back so he needs to know what's causing it or Actively find out from a doctor what can be done.
6: Okay. Uh, Well, so
1: what kind of doctor would you go to?
5: Your primary care. Primary Then would say, you know, well, if that person didn't know, would say, oh, ear, nose, and throat, or I I don't know what specialty it would be. But um, I would start with my primary care doctor. Okay.
1: Thank you, Mary Beth. Nick is in New Jersey. Hello, Nick. Oh, yeah. I got a recommendation for the hiccups. Let's hear it.
7: Uh, you got a scratchy throat and uh, I find that this liquor called Blind Squirrel, Uh, you can find it at any liquor store, Blind Squirrel. It's, it's sweet, it's tasty, it's 70, 70 proof. Uh, it tastes excellent and it calms your throat and I'll tell you one thing, it's great, great stuff. Never what? get hiccups from that, you know, called what? a
1: Blind Squirrel. It, it t- It's what? very what great. what kind and, of liquor
7: is it uh it's like a butter butter it's got like a butter peanut butter flavor a little bit of peanut butter
1: flavor it's almost it's not a brandy it's just a whiskey with a peanut butter twist okay well i've never I've never heard of that i gotta be honest and i've uh, I know my way around a bar thank you Nick you know it's I've had this other peanut butter whiskey which you know, as a guy that drinks bourbon, you're not supposed to like this kind of thing, but I tried it. <clears throat> a bartender gave it to me actually in Atlantic City, which is I'm gonna be talking about Atlantic City with um you know with Kelsey Grammer in just a minute, but this bartender gave it to me, and he said, "Look, if you're honest, you're gonna admit that this is great and I have to tell you it was great. it's called screwball, very good, a little sweet for me, but in terms of if you're gonna mix drinks with um with with a, with this liquor and you want something that has a peanut butter whisker taste, it's very good but i you know i am skeptical of what nick said there nick from new jersey not nick my brother because usually you don't think of anything with respect to alcohol as helping hiccups usually th- you think of alcohol as something that's dehydrating and something that causes your esophagus or your diaphragm to do all sorts of weird things you don't think it's something that is help that I wouldn't think of that, so I'm putting that on the list. But I'm putting them on with an asterisk. Jimmy is in New City. What do we got, Jimmy? Hi,
8: Frank. Okay, the bitters and lemon—absolutely, that's the number one thing. It definitely works. That's like okay. Almost, I nothing. got that one here. Okay. So, now, I went to a pizzeria as buddies. Uh, some people say, in Seaside Heights, thirty years ago, it was a gang of ten of us. This and that. We walked in. I was just all day with them. The gentleman behind the thing, it was a glass, short, like a, um, say, 10 to 12 ounce. He put a knife in the glass upside down, regular like a butter knife, stainless steel,
1: and it worked. Wait, um, so because of our phone issue, Jimmy, I I couldn't make out all of what you said. I heard he had a knife, and he put a knife somewhere upside down.
8: And a a butter knife in a glass, not a cup, but a glass. And he just put the the knife in upside down. He goes, "Just, just shut up and drink it, and it worked.
1: A butter knife like in a glass upside down. Um,
8: the handle part.
1: Wait, what the part?
8: Like the handle part, not the cutting end, but the, you know.
1: But what is putting a butter knife up. in a glass upside down do for your hiccups? I don't understand.
8: I don't know. I drank the water and it worked. It could just be straight up water. But knife it was a joke, we had 10 of us rolling. I mean, I was besieged with this for the whole morning. It went, nothing would go away. We tried everything, and this worked. So you tell me.
1: Thank it's you. Just, uh, hey, you look, I'll put, put it on, it on, on the, the list, list Jimmy. Right? Th- thank you very much. Penelope is in Matawan, New Jersey. Penelope is my goddaughter's name, so I always want to take a call from a Penelope. Hi. Hello, Penelope.
5: Aw. Oh. Hi. I was calling about the butter knife also. It's oh, so, so funny so because... So tell me
1: about it. Maybe I'll have more, more success hearing you than I did, Jimmy. Go ahead.
5: My skin uh, friend always told me put the butter knife right in a straight glass with water and it worked so she's authentic mexican told me i i'm going to tell you and she's helped me in other manners as well so this is uh has tried and true well butter so knife in glass so with you, water
1: you, so you drink the water while the butter knife is in there
5: yes Okay. All right. Hey. Uh, so I don't know why, but I know it works for me, and she's been my other things as well. So, good luck to you, brother. Thank you, Penelope.
1: Appreciate it. Hudson is in the boogie down Bronx. Hello, Hudson.
9: What's going on, brother? Um, the butter knife thing sounds weird. Uh, so no kidding. Th- yeah, this is the thing that works, and I'm telling you, this works every single time. You hold your breath in the fetal position. You get down in the fetal position. You hold your breath. You take the deepest breath that you have of all time history. You hold your breath until you're about to die, until your face is blue. You can't breathe anymore, and you're about to see the heavens. And then what do you do? You you breathe in again. You don't breathe out. You breathe in again. And then you do it again. You double down. You double down like in Vegas. Well, it works every time, brother.
1: Uh, well, I would say you double down like you're in Atlantic City. But two – Hudson, um, and well, I want people to be careful before trying this. I'm not encouraging anybody to hold their breath within an inch of dying. But let's say they were. Um, do you breathe in? What, Hudson, are you being arrested for suggesting that people hold their breath until they die here? What's going on out there? <laughs>
9: I'm, not, I'm not being arrested yet. I don't know, man. I'm not sure who you called, but no. Um, but, but uh, Hudson, not yet, but...
1: do you breathe in through your nose or your mouth, or does it not matter in the Hudson Remedy?
9: Okay, first of all, great question. So what you do is you not only breathe in, but you breathe in almost like you're breathing through a straw. So you, you do like you pucker up your lips and you go, so you breathe in like that. And then you hold it as tight as you can. you hold holding your whole body almost like, you know, I don't have any abs left, obviously. I'm like 30 pounds overweight, but you're like holding your abs. And then when you can't breathe anymore, you go, and you do the straw breath again and hold it in again and you just hold your whole body tight. And by the way, my wife's on the couch right now and she said something about standing on your head. I don't know what the hell that means. Okay, so I, you can try both.
1: Uh, well, uh, well, uh, well, you, well, You just stand on your head and that's it? That's that's her. That's her her, okay, position. but that's not as good as the fetal position thing. Thank you, Jersey June, who uh, I got to see at the Staten Island Ferryhawks Hawks game recently, and who was a sight for sore eyes, is calling in with her remedy. Hello, Jersey June.
5: Hi, I got an idea. He can try uh, bending over from the waist and taking a teaspoon of sugar upside down.
1: That will work. Okay, bending over from waist. And take a teaspoon of sugar, just sugar.
5: Right. Upside down, you know, upside down, bend over, take a teaspoon, let it dissolve in the mouth. All
1: right. I'll try it, June. Thank you very much. It was great to see you at the game. And uh, thanks for that nice pin that you gave me. Uh, June uh, June was kind enough to give me this um, lapel pin. One American flag, one Israeli flag. I, if you there, I, there's a couple of things that I really love. Right, I, I love to collect anything, but my the collections that I get most kick most a kick out of are bobblehead dolls, especially presidential bobblehead dolls. If you give me a an obscure presidential bobblehead doll, you've got a friend for life. Like you give me a a James Buchanan bobblehead doll, or. A, whatever like a a uh, I have James K Paul a Zachary Taylor bobblehead doll, forget about it you, you I will always be your friend. The other thing that I just love is lapel pins. I have such a collection of lapel pins, and what I do is whenever someone compliments me on one of my lapel pins, I give it to them, and I always try to replace it now sometimes there'll be a mention, give it to me, sometimes they won't, but uh Jersey June was kind enough to give me. Uh, A a flag lapel pin that had the Israeli flag and the American flag, much to the chagrin of uh, Joe from the Bronx and Richard Parsippany. Stan is in Manhattan. Hello, Stan.
7: Hi. The uh, remedy that I've seen work a number of times is shiatsu. There are two pressure points, and someone who knows shiatsu will know exactly how to do it, and it works like a switch. Huh. The hiccuping stops
2: immediately.
1: Oh, I've seen. So he's got to go to I've a Shiato person.
2: Yeah. Okay. You need someone to know I'll Sciazzo. suggest it. Thank you,
1: Stan. This is some good idea. I don't think Nick can say I didn't take this seriously at this point. Neil is on Staten Island. What do you got for me, Neil? This is the best show
10: ever, Frank. Thank you. you know, for, for 10 years, <laughs> coming out with medical questions, and asking people for solutions. <laughs> Bend over and take a teaspoon of sugar.
8: I, I just love that, Frank. <laughs> 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 Your brother has had this for five days. Your one caller was 100% correct. He should go see a doctor. Forget about jumping on one foot. we rubbing his belly and his head at the same time. Nothing's going to help him. These
10: are all old-fashioned uh, wives' tales. Go to a doctor. Five days,
11: Frank. That's enough. He's got to go to a doctor.
1: I, okay, I will suggest that. I will suggest that. Corey in Palm Bay. Hello, Corey.
10: Hello, Frank and Laurel. Um, I've never had hiccups for five days, but like Hudson said, his method of holding your breath, that's always what I've suggested to people. Like my friend would get them for an hour, two hours couldn't go away, and try the whole drinking out of, out of the glass, like backwards, upside down with a knife in it. That's all, like, psychosomatic, um, but it is probably something in the diaphragm, but holding your breath as long as you can, and then that's what works for me. Yeah, me too. If not
1: Me too. Thank you, uh, Corey. Frank is in Connecticut. Hello there, Frank.
12: Frank, your previous caller said to stand on her head. So while you're standing on your head, you drink a 16-ounce glass cup of water. Get rid of them every time.
1: While you're standing on your head, drink the 16-ounce glass of water?
12: That's correct.
1: Well, I would think there's got to be some problem in keeping the water in the glass while you're upside down, right?
12: No, you don't. You're upside down. The, The glass of water is right side up. And you pour it in your
13: mouth. While okay.
1: You, you know, uh, lo- I, will, I will suggest, let me get one more here before we get to Kelsey Grammer. I know Mike in the Bronx has been patiently holding. Hello there, Mike.
6: Yeah, right. No, I, I, one of the best, I, I agree with the 60 seconds. You hold your breath for 60 seconds, that works. But one of the best things is my mother taught us this, me and my five brothers and sisters. You put a handkerchief over a glass of water, just eight ounces, And just drink it through. But you have to drink the whole thing, and it never fails. If you don't have a handkerchief a paper towel or uh, any any type of loose towel, and it never fails.
1: Uh, uh, Thank you, Mike. I'm hearing a lot of the same themes here. Maybe we'll talk hiccups with Kelsey Grammer in just a minute because, I, I don't know, is that an old wives' tale that when you drink alcohol you get hiccups? Or is there actually something to that? I don't know. But maybe if you drink enough of Kelsey Grammer's new beer, Faith American, you will get hiccups. I don't know, but uh, maybe Kelsey Grammer's got a solution. Uh, Those of you that are holding, if you still want to be heard on this or anything else, please continue to hold. We'll get to you. Kelsey Grammer joins me from Atlantic City. Straight ahead.
14: melt into mist
0: They'll no longer exist in the new world All your
12: troubles bid you goodbye They will weaken and die As
0: your new life unfurls Bury your pain
1: start life again you know well if that isn't one of the most recognizable distinguished voices of this or any era i don't know what is you may remember that voice as a radio psychiatrist. You may remember him as a Boston barfly. Some of us even remember him as a starship captain. Uh, but these days, if you're in Atlantic City this weekend anyway, you will recognize that as the person who is serving you a pretty delicious beer. I, I am really, really pleased to welcome back to the show one of my favorites, legendary actor and producer, and now somebody that has just, uh, exploded onto the beer scene, beer scene, the one and only Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey, thanks so much for joining me on the radio.
12: Frank, it's a pleasure.
1: How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's great to talk with you again. I really enjoyed well, meeting you. The first
12: question I have to ask you is, where did you find that, that recording?
1: <laughs> we do our
12: homework <laughs> on this show. Hey? I know you put a well, lot of work. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I recorded that stuff with Johnny Mann, like in... 91 or something we never ended up releasing the album but there was a, there was a lot of nice songs we did on it and I thought you know maybe one day but <laughs> it's really extraordinary uh
1: well uh, I'm glad we got to uh, play it on the radio and I'm glad you're not yeah. going to sue us for uh, for using it now
12: oh, uh, no it's wonderful it's fun to hear it again we
1: we have uh, an enormous audience in Atlantic City we do a specialized Atlantic City hour each week so I love that you're uh-huh. down there everybody is talking about this beer takeover that you you doing with faith american brewing um at, you know how is it down there in atlantic city what's the vibe and what are you doing down there at the hard rock exactly
12: well what's nice is the um there's a gal named great cow that contacted us a while back about you know the beer and maybe we could work something out and uh we just ended up sort of falling in love with everybody there and uh so we're opening up a big event sort of on the 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 heels of uh, the Sting concert, we're doing some stuff uh, cross promotional for uh, for the beer, which is you know Faith American Ale, Faith American um, Calico Man IPA, and Faith American uh, Blue, we call it, and it's, it's a New England style hazy. So those three flavors are going to be sort of showcased in the, in several different venues at Hard Rock, and I think we're starting a relationship with Hard Rock that's going to be um, a long long uh, thing. And uh, but you know, listen, to the beer is. You know, aptly named after my daughter, Faith, but also because of my faith in America. And, and uh, you know, we're going to be all right. We're uh, just going to keep fighting and being productive and dream of commerce and do all the things we can and serve good beer.
1: So I know last time you were in Atlantic City, one of the places you visited was the Irish pub, which is very old school. It's celebrating its 50th yeah. anniversary this year. Now you're at Hard Rock. Doesn't get any newer than that. Literally, state of the, the art right. as they come. Um, now you've sort of seen both both sides of Atlantic City, the new and the old. Do uh, you think Atlantic City is making a comeback? I know you uh, spent a lot of time there in your youth.
12: Right. Well, you know, I'd love nothing more because, I mean, uh, my grandmother used to say she would tell this story of me when I stuck my hands in my pockets. I was wearing a little blue blazer and my, blue, you know, gray flannel pants. And I said, Gam, I love Atlantic City. And uh, that was when I think I was six. <laughs> and So I've loved it for quite a while now. And um, I am an enthusiast, and I, I would say, you know, I, I, would, I wasn't so sure how the gambling thing was going to work out in Atlantic City originally, yeah. and that, it seemed like, and then it seemed like it was a good thing, and then it seemed like, oh hell, it's, it's gone kind of sideways, and uh, but it, it, now it feels like there's another another push where Atlantic City might just start shining again. And I mean, because I love it there, and it just seems like. You know, she just needs a little fresh coat of paint and some love, and and uh, and this this event. You know, I mean, Hard Rock one of the nicest hotels I've ever seen. Uh, it's as good as the place I've been in in Vegas anywhere else. And my relationship with them now is something that I'm looking forward to. You know, sort of far a little bit better and uh, and, and establishing. Uh, it's a great,
14: great.
1: Yep. It, 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 no, it, it, it's great that you're down there, and it's great that you're. It's great to hear your enthusiasm and that you're so invested in Atlantic City. In addition to what you oh, do in an Irish pub, I'm going to be
12: at Irish pub again. Oh, great! We're, we go there all the time. Oh, terrific! That's great.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, please give our best to Kathy Burke. Wish her a happy anniversary uh, for us. But um, what is this dueling pianos uh, thing that you're doing at the Hard Rock? I know you're. As we just heard you singing there, you're as musically inclined as anybody I've seen you on Broadway and. Musicals like La Cage a Fall, you're, yeah. you have a terrific yeah. voice and a great appreciation for music. But what is the dueling pianos thing that you're doing at the Hard Rock?
12: Well, this is an idea they approached me with. and I thought, <laughs> "Oh, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit down and play the piano, even though I, I play a little bit. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in, in any mood for a duel on a piano. But they said, well, how about singing like a karaoke singing And I said, well, yeah, you know, I could do a few tunes. So I guess I'm going to do probably three or four songs. And other people step up and, and they... Kind of improvise a karaoke uh, event with the dueling the, the piano guys, and uh, I've been assured that they're fantastic. They're uh, amazing, and I've have sent over a couple of songs that I can probably sing. You know, that I mean, "Let's Dance" by David Bowie is one of my sort of go-to karaoke things. But so I'll probably sing that and uh, maybe a couple others.
1: <laughs> well, that's outstanding. Uh, what a treat for the people that uh, that are in Atlantic City. Now, this Faith American Ale, I tried when you were here in uh, in studio last. I haven't tried the IPA yet. If people aren't lucky enough to be in one of the places where you're doing one of these Faith American tap takeovers, how do they buy the beer? Because it is it is quite good.
12: Right. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very, very proud of the beer. It's basically... It's, it's distributed by Kramer Beverage right now throughout that area, southern New Jersey. And uh, we're pretty confident that they we're going to have a pretty good partnership. We got ourselves uh, growing pain. As we uh, we kind of had to do an emergency brew of beer. So that's that's coming. Mm. And uh, come midweek next week, I think they'll start introducing it to the package stores around. But we had sort of an exclusive thing with uh, Hard Rock and with Cats for the first, first uh, couple of rollouts. Um, we've had the... The blue hazy was just added toward the end of February, so that's a, that's a new flavor that most people, I think, are really going to enjoy. But the ale's been out for, you know, about a year. There's, there, it's been in stores, but we didn't have Jersey yet.
13: Mm-hmm. So, you
12: know, it's, it's, we're taking it incrementally, bit at a time, uh, but it should be pretty accessible, and if people really want to check out where we are, we should have that information.
1: Our website great and the website is faith american uh, yeah. that folks folks can check it out now I uh, you, uh, you know when we spoke off air when you were in studio last we we talked about our <laughs> shared love of history I wish you had yeah. told me that you were doing this new Fox nation show which uh, just debuted and is going to make me do the one thing that I promised I would never do and that's pay for another streaming service because this yeah. history <laughs> show that you are doing on Fox Fox Nation is just incredible. I've been talking about it all week, or, or le- since last week, actually. What is the story here? W- how did this project come to be, and what are you actually doing?
12: Well, what's funny, uh, our producing partner on this is a fellow uh, out of a company called Warm Springs. Mark Pierce is his name. And uh, he and I met four years ago and started talking about it. was actually the Donner Party that I was really interested in at the time. And I, I still have some serious interest in doing a kind of a, a serialized, maybe a streaming Um, long form for it uh, about the hardships of that particular journey across the country. But uh, he and I just connected. And when this battles thing came up and then Fox said they wanted to re, they wanted to sort of re uh, voice some of what Bill O'Reilly had done on the uh, legends and lies thing. I said, well, okay, let's do that. We'll tease that out and then we'll do this history thing. So we've got the, the first six battles we've done and, uh, We're going to
1: probably do some more
12: and maybe expand out into a couple of other arenas that are, you know, sort of history related in terms of uh, the U.S.
1: Yeah, it's called Kelsey Grammer's Historic Battles for America. So far, I've seen the Bunker Hill one. Do you find that Mm -hmm. you're learning a lot about history yourself in doing this show, or was most of this material that you already knew?
12: Well, what's weird is I kind of know it because my grandparents were really into it and they raised me. They were really into American history. They had, you know, they had a kind of a. Um, an organic sense of their connection to American history. And they passed that on to me. We're not doing it in school anymore. Mm. There's no organic sense of what Mm. the real history of America is. And so it suddenly became a bit of a mission and also a pleasure to just revisit some of these things. Uh, Some of the information I I did have, some of it, uh, when we do research, I'll say, that's not right (laughs) (laughs) then they'll check and say well it is kind of right and i said no 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 we can't be saying that that's not that's not what was going on um people just there's a kind of a mission creep about all sorts of things there's any number of different agendas want to sneak into a history program but that's why they always say no history is written by the, the winners by the victors of the event oh yeah because um they it's an opportunity to convince people of what you were thinking. And we're doing our best not to do that with this show Yeah, uh, is just, just have it be a series of, of relevant historical events that took place that led to, Oh, this outcome or that outcome. The particular one about bunker Hill is fairly really funny because my, I'm related to general Putnam and, uh, it's a, you know, it goes back a long way, but my grandmother used to say, don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. That was a terrible problem. You know, and so it's, it was a real specific, real honest, like sort of thing for me to be able to do it.
1: Uh, that is, uh, that's terrific. We're talking with Kelsey Grammer. He seems as busy as ever. He's, uh, d- launching all sorts of new shows. He's, uh, expanding the faith American beer brand. If you're lucky enough to be in Atlantic city this weekend, you could not only sample some of the beer, but, uh, maybe even see him play the piano at the hard rock. Uh, When I was promoting that I was uh, going to be able to talk to you again, the number one question that uh, even friends of mine were asking was, what is happening with the Frasier reboot? I know that you said it was going to be on Paramount Plus and your character's in a new city. I think this is going to be the fifth series that you're playing Frasier Crane on. What's the story? When can we look forward to seeing it?
12: Um, Frasier is, um, we've got a brand new script. I think I'm going to be reading it like tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> Terrific, so Great. We'll, I'll be making some notes and uh, uh I, we're pretty certain we're going to we're focusing on a, sometime in October to shoot the first episode and shoot the rest of them to the subsequent ones, they were 10 and then we'll uh let them figure out how to roll it out and everything but uh, I'm really excited.
1: No, they uh, excited so, about this story. so so are those of us that are fans. You know, uh, as you see, obviously as a radio junkie myself, I loved that you guys so captured the environment of a talk station, the weird characters, the host producer interaction, the bizarre yeah, right, callers, right. the element of unpredictability. I, did you prior to doing that show did you listen to a lot of talk radio because you really captured the sort of gestalt of what it is to do this better than anybody
12: Isn't that interesting yeah um i didn't actually i mean i if i recall i would listen to rush limbaugh on my way into work back then and that was still was still sort of a relatively new phenomenon mm. you know mm. that, that this sort of go-to you know um radio uh, talk show thing uh the psychiatrist angle of it was obviously something I was acquainted with. I, I did meet with one gal who was, uh, oh, you know, I don't even know if that's politically correct anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I think I think she would be quite happy to say that she was a, a female psychiatrist uh, who had done a talk show. And I said, well, the first, my first presumption about it is that you would want to do no harm, which is the, the biggest thing. And she said, that's exactly right. And so. She doesn't think she's going to solve anybody's problems, and that, I thought that was that was good too. But to point people in the right direction, who maybe had a real serious problem, I thought it was our responsibility, and and to actually make it entertaining at the same time. Mm. I, and so I, it seemed like the right. Right combination. It,
1: there seem like it seems like there are so many of these classic sitcoms that are coming back or, or getting a sequel. Not just sitcoms, but uh, dramas as well. For, uh, shows like Murphy Brown, yeah. Will and Grace, Roseanne, or the or yeah, the I Connors. Um, do you think that shows that America has a newly found sense of nostalgia, or is that representative of a dearth of new programming ideas, or is it something else? What why or why are all these great shows from the '90s, the '80s, the early? 2000s making a comeback in the 2020s. Do you think?
12: I think honestly because they were they were funny.
1: Mm.
12: Uh, you know, a lot of the that. newer stuff just just isn't very funny. Mm. You know, it's like it, it's a little, I don't, you know, because I, I I honestly am not professional enough to watch everything so I can formulate an opinion. <laughs> so my it's a bit of guesswork here, but the shows that you just reeled off had an, an audience that was you know beloved by the audience. The show was loved by the audience, and the audience was loved by the show. I mean, there was a relationship, and you could count on getting a good laugh there. And these days, you know, a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of things with, with the phones and everything, they're getting laughs off of you know somebody else's basically kind of um, scatological humor, you know, and uh, and that's fun, that's fine but it's not refined humor. And the, the last place that they have to look to that had any kind of refined or sophisticated comedy is a show like Frazier.
1: You've been very generous with your time. I won't keep you, but I, I know how passionate you are about the Catskills. And I know part of the reason yeah. that you launched Faith American was to help bring back the Catskills. How is the Catskills doing overall right now? And how does Faith American, how has it played into that Catskills revival? Right hmm. revitalization.
12: Well, I think I think people do identify the beer with the Catskills, which is what I was hoping to do. Uh, what's been remarkable about the lockdown, it drove a lot of people out of the city, and uh, it drove them out in a way that I just don't. I don't think they want to go back. So there's a lot of younger people that have come up to the Catskills, which actually I, that was as rare a sighting as any for the last 20 years to see anybody under the age of 30, um, and. To, want to buy a home and to make a life there and there's a new bakery in town and there's stuff like that going on and just, just that alone is enough to make me think well you know what we're having some kind of an impact and uh, when i got up there and i first bought my land about 26 seven years ago uh i'd walk the, the mountain and, and see this water coming out of the, the hill and i think oh my god this is Mm. This has got to be the best water in the world, and I would drink it, and all the, all the houses on my property are spring-fed. It, it's fantastic. So I thought, well, I'm going to use this water and start a beer company. And then I found out that I couldn't use the water because it's in the watershed. <laughs> so it's like, oops. So I had to re-calculate kind of <laughs> everything, but it's still, our the legend of our beer comes from my home. All the, all the labels, everything else is, is basically based upon a site that's on my property. And uh, (laughs) the rest of it is sort of up in the air. But we have a little tavern up there. It's open once in a while, for, like usually for special events, and uh, we serve beer. Well, and, uh, I, so that's that's the
8: beginning.
1: I will look forward uh, to the next special event that you're up there to pay, pay a visit to that tavern. Hopefully we could even nice. do the show from there. Kelsey Grammer, thanks oh, so much for great. the time. I really appreciate it. It's always a real treat to talk with you. I hope we can do it again soon.
12: Likewise, Frank. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. FaithAmericanBrewingCompany.com is the website if you want to learn more. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, give me a call, one 800 848 And as Fraser Crane might say, I'm listening.
0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. I was born in Macon, Georgia.
15: Kept my daddy, oh, in the Macon jail. He told me, if you keep your hands
0: clean, yeah. I won't hear them put out am dirty trail. Well, I fell in with bad company.
13: Robbed a man, Oh up in Tennessee. They caught me way up in Nashville. They locked me up and threw away the
0: key. What'd you do, son? I washed my hands in muddy water. Wash my hand, oh but it's not me. Try to do like my daddy told me for the must I wash my hands in the movie street. Realize well, the judge now when's my time.
1: The great he Elvis Presley I washed my hands in muddy waters. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. If you want to comment on uh, any portion of my discussion with Kelsey Grammer, you are certainly welcome to. Hopefully, you had a nice weekend as you heard from uh, – and by the way, our number is 800-848-9222. As you heard from – uh, Matt Blaise, well, and you probably didn't need him to tell you. Saturday in the Northeast area was really r- rough. It rained the whole day. It was quite dreary, which, you know, it wasn't nice, but the silver lining was it got me out of helping my wife with a lot of yard work. She was planning on doing all sorts of yard work and planting all sorts of things. And so she wasn't happy, but uh, and instead we went to a Mexican restaurant and met my friend Brian Silverstein. For lunch, by the way, Brian Silverstein, you may recall, was the person that uh, issued that statement repeatedly when I was accused of anti-Semitism, saying that I am not anti-Semitic. So the least I could do was buy him lunch, albeit uh, not a kosher lunch. It was at a Mexican restaurant, so you draw whatever conclusions you like. Sunday was a much better day. We we had a, uh, a christening, which I'll tell you about a little bit later, in Manhattan, so we had to leave pretty early, but... I did get to at least do some work and do some reading out on the porch on Sunday. And I started a cigar. I didn't get to finish it, but I started a cigar. And uh, my friend John Tobacco, who was on this program on Friday, he came by. And uh, because it was nice weather, I put up our second flagpole. Now, if you heard me talk about this previously, we have an American flag at our house, you know, like a lot of houses do. It's, you know, it's on the porch. So, I want to put up, I wanted to put up both the New York State flag and the New York City flag, but I have agreed the, to my wife's demand, essentially, that we put up no more than two flags at any given time. So, I think we're going to alternate the New York State flag and the New York City flag. And it wasn't a complicated process. I got this um, flag hoist and a flag pole that I was going to put up, but I was going to put it up there while John Tobacco was over. And John says – now, John used to build houses with his father. And so John says, well, since I'm here, do you want me to do that? I'm a little taller than you, and maybe you know, I'll have better leverage getting that angle on the flagpole. And all I'm thinking when he says that is, whew, thank goodness he offered, because John actually knows how to build houses. Meanwhile, I can barely hammer a nail. So um, we put up this flagpole. That was a big success. And Then I go into the garage to find this New York State flag, which I purchased maybe a year ago. And I'm sure I know where it is. And of course, and of course, I have no idea where it is. So couldn't find the New York State flag. And we were in a hurry because we had to get into Manhattan for this uh, this christening we went to. But I have ordered I had already ordered a New York City flag, which my plan was to alternate on special days with a New York State flag. But I have now ordered as well a New York State flag. So hopefully that arrives within the next couple of days. So that's exciting. I'll tell you what's also – speaking of different colors, you know what's also interesting? On the weekend, I try to let my wife sleep because she has to tend to our son whenever he wants to be fed or changed at night during the week, because you. So on the weekend, I try to tend to my son so that my wife can sleep uninterrupted. And honestly, he's not he he's not getting up that much these days. Usually, he gets up once or twice at most throughout the night. He just wants to be fed or changed, and then he goes right back to sleep, which is fine. But what I've noticed now that the baby monitor is over by me. I don't remember the type of baby monitor we have. But now that the baby monitor is over by me, I've noticed that sometimes the baby monitor almost always, I'd say 90% of the time, the baby monitor is black and white. But then sometimes just at random, we don't touch anything. He doesn't do anything. It switches to being in color. And look, I don't mind black and white television or black and white programming. But it is nice to see what you get, see what reality is essentially in color. So if anybody has any inf- information about that, of how to get this baby monitor in color all the time, or if anyone's experienced that, please email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I'll tell you what I didn't get to do. And I avoided mentioning this on Friday because I was going to, I was hoping to do it over the weekend. And because I was so busy with so many things, I didn't get a chance to do it. What I didn't get to do is submit a an application to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and on my list of things to do this past weekend was to submit an application to get John Gambling a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now you can get stars in a variety of character in a variety of categories: film, um, television, recorded sound, and one of them is radio. So I have been disappointed with the kind of radio stars that they are inducting to the Hollywood Walk of Fame these days. And there's not a lot of great radio stars. So I thought it would be fun. and I spoke with John about this, and he indicated that the two criteria that you have to do if you want a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame are one – and Kelsey Grammer knows this. He actually has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. One, you have to agree to be at the ceremony, Right. No, John said, no problem. And two, you either have to have the star pay or you have to raise the money. Now, John's got money. I'm sure he'd be happy to pay. It's not a tremendous amount of money. But if John doesn't want to pay, I'm confident that we can raise this money. So um, if anyone else, since I didn't have a chance to do it this weekend and this week is the deadline, if anyone else would like to submit that application to get John Gambling a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame Um, Go ahead and do that, and you'll save me the trouble (laughs) of doing it. Additionally, you know, we have a lot of other great radio talents that have been on this station over the years, both um, people that are on now who've been around a while, like uh, Curtis Lewa, for instance, Mark Levin, and, um, you know, uh, Bernard McGurk, and some people that used to be on the station that no longer are, and you know the list. That I think would be great additions to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So if there's anyone else that you think of that best embodies the spirit of radio, I would go on to the Hollywood Walk of Fame website. You could just Google how, you know, just Google Hollywood Walk of Fame and they have instructions on how to go about this. I would encourage you to, to submit as many nominations for WABC people as possible. There are a couple of people that the WABC audience would be familiar with who do have stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. One of them is Michael Jackson. Yes, Michael Jackson, the radio talk show host, not Michael Jackson, the singer. Michael Jackson, the singer, also has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But um, I think I played you the audio of this when Michael Jackson died Um, a few months ago. He was great. He was on the station briefly when we first flipped to a a talk format, but most of his career was out on KABC in L.A. So he's on there. And, you know, the the L.A. people, one, always have such an advantage, it seems, because it seems like the Hollywood Walk of Fame folks always like to reward a homer. But um, I think also they're more likely to be at the thing and they're more likely to care about this thing. So folks like Michael Jackson, and Larry Elder, who's the other individual I was about to m- mention, they are um, much – they have stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Larry Elder, who, of course, recently just ran for governor and just left his radio show. So I'd love to see some of our folks get uh, get some sort of recognition with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So just Google Hollywood Walk of Fame if you think that's uh, worthy of doing. All right, 800-848-WABC. Coming up next hour, we're going to talk about the Long Island serial killer. Eclipses, black holes, and asteroids, and UFO hearings. Oh my! But first, a lot of you have been patiently holding. Let me get to as many of you as we can. Elizabeth is in Astoria. Hello, Elizabeth.
5: Hi. How are you, Frank? Doing great. Thank you. I'm calling. You. I'm I'm calling about um your brother's hiccups. Yeah.
16: Sometimes what do you think?
5: The hiccups. You know what it is. Sometimes uh, persistent hiccups. It's like an irritation and inflammation around the heart. So he should see a cardiologist. Oh, a cardiologist. Yes. Huh. Yes. Because right. sometimes the muscle underneath the heart, it gets inflamed. So you don't know. And most, sometimes these problems have. Because I know a lot of Marines, young Marines that have had the shots are having these problems. So that's why I waited 30 minutes to tell you this. Because I was like, let me tell him.
1: <laughs> I will uh, I will make sure he's aware of that. Thank you, Elizabeth. 800-848-9222. Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al.
17: Good morning. I was wondering, is uh, Frank, uh, Joe Franklin or Frank, Brent, do they have stars too? No,
1: no, they, neither of them do. Now, they do seem uh, to have a preference for living people um, as opposed to people that are dead, but no, that is a great one. Joe, I think, deserves a star certainly for television, if not for radio.
17: Yeah, as far as your brother, what I want to say, there's several ways of doing it that I've heard of. Uh, the, the key is this: first of all, if you can ignore it, well, that's not obviously you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And as the hiccup is occurring, you replace it with another action: you shout, you uh, you laugh, you scream, you uh, sometimes you never see the kids they make a a, a noise through their lips it's like a motorboat almost. That releases blood gases. That's sometimes like a shock leaning backwards for a couple of minutes. But if worse comes to worse, he goes to his doctor and they do a Heimlich maneuver, Ooh. which is very carefully and very gently. And that almost always will work. Because it resets the diaphragm. But it has to be done by somebody who knows what they're doing. Well, of
1: course. Yeah, right. no, I, I've never heard of that. That's interesting, Al. Thank you very much. 800-848-9222. Tom is in the Bronx. Hello, Tom.
10: Yeah. Hi, yes, Frank. Hi. i like to say... That, uh, is Bob Newhart still around? Well, he's uh,
1: still alive,
10: yes. Yeah. Well, in other words, Bob Newhart used to have a program a little bit like Kelsey Grammer's. He was prior to Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, Grammar. well, he had,
1: he, had, he had Newhart and then the Bob Newhart Show. And uh, I, I can't remember which one was which, but I think it was the Bob Newhart Show, which yeah. was w- where he played a psychiatrist. You're exactly right.
10: Right, right. Well, it would be good maybe if he had a part with Kelsey
1: I, I You know what? Kelsey has not asked for any of my suggestions. That will be the second one that I make if he does ask for my suggestion. First suggestion would be, I don't know if he's going to be on the radio in this one, but he should have me on the show as a radio voice. Curtis and I were on damages as voices on the radio. That's still the best episode they've ever had. Documented as such. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, coming up this hour, we have eclipses, asteroids, black holes. Oh, my. Not to mention a UFO hearing on um, the, on the in Capitol Hill that's starting this week. We'll delve into the Long Island serial killer case with Frank McKay coming up in about 20 minutes. But first...
0: The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Breaking News.
1: I am uh, now seeing that uh, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will be visiting Buffalo, New York on Tuesday following the mass shooting event there. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the mass shooting in Buffalo a bit later, but uh, I think that's certainly a good thing. Now, I don't know what this will actually do, probably very little, but I think um, it's an important thing symbolically. Uh, You know, one of the things you could do as the president is you can focus the whole attention of the country, really the world, on anything you want just by going there. And I think this is uh, important uh, that uh, the president is going there. Even if you're not crazy about the president and you don't like his policies, I think this is certainly a positive thing. So I'm glad he's coming to Buffalo and um, we'll see what happens. Now, interestingly enough, uh, on Thursday morning's program, we spent the whole hour pretty much talking about the lunar eclipse, which has just ended. So the, the, well, at least the, main part of it. So today was the first red moon, the first lunar full lunar eclipse with a red moon, a, a rare super blood moon actually in over a year. And it started um around 11 p.m. or so in eastern and then it was went on for a couple hours. I have to tell you I looked for it in our area. I didn't see it at all. I have to say, and I know a lot of other callers expressed a similar sentiment, and I was really disappointed. I was really looking forward to this, and um, apparently due to the cloud cover in our area, it was more difficult to see. I did go online and saw the video that NASA put out and some other pictures that people were were showing, and I did go to uh, Dr. Sky's blog at ktar.com, and I was hoping to see a bit more. And you see these different images from around the, the world. In Greece, for instance, spectators gathered at the Temple of Poseidon near Athens. It really does look like something out of Greek mythology, the way the moon is right over that Temple of Poseidon. Uh, in Europe, the phenomenon was only visible for a sp- small portion of that time. I'm curious whether you're in the New York area or not, if you saw it. So it's rare. The re- Lunar eclipses happen much more regularly than solar eclipses. but it's rare that it coincides with a separate event, a supermoon. That's when the moon is at its closest point to Earth in its orbit, and it appears so so much larger than usual. So we had a lunar eclipse and a supermoon. So I'm curious if anyone got a good look at it and what your impressions were. 800-848-WABC. That's 800 Now, <clears throat> one story that I didn't get to comment on on Friday was – this black hole situation, this, you know, black holes used to be considered something that were theoretical, used to be considered something that was uh, the stuff of science fiction. And now this is really interesting. In a historic first, astronomers have captured a remarkable image of a supermassive black hole at the heart of the Milky Way galaxy. The eagerly anticipated picture revealed to the world on Friday or on Thursday shows Sagittarius A, which is roughly, ready for this, 4.3 million times the mass of our sun and located about 27,000 light years away from Earth. Because of its distance from us, experts said it appears the same size in the sky as a donut on the moon. Isn't that interesting? So this comes just over three years after the same astronomers revealed the first ever photograph of a black hole. So the two black holes have a lot of similarities, despite the fact that Sagittarius A is 2,000 times smaller than that other black hole, which was called Messier 87, which is located um, in a distant galaxy, 55 million light years away. So they're both some distance away, but... In um, They had a string of press conferences about this, and the team behind this Ar- Event Horizon Telescope, which is producing these images, shared their findings a- after teasing a groundbreaking Milky Way discovery. So while announcing this new image, uh, one of the people that uh, is responsible for it called the black hole, quote, the gentle giant in the center of our galaxy. You know, I, I think these images are really interesting I think they're really cool. I'm such a geek for this stuff. I love it. But to me, one of the most interesting things about this is the fact that 30, 40 years ago, people weren't even sure if black holes were real. And now we get to see photos of them. I almost think the same thing is going on with with extraterrestrials. I think... Uh, In the very near future, even the staunchest skeptic is going to be presented with evidence that extraterrestrial intelligent life is out there and maybe even has been here. And everybody that's been a skeptic with this stuff. Well, I look, there's nothing wrong with skepticism, but everybody that has been dismissive of all these UAP sightings is going to have some egg on their face, I think. Um, Hey, speaking of space. Two final things I want to comment on, then we'll take your calls in just a second. 800-848-WABC. We're still experiencing these phone problems, which uh, Matt Blaze will tell you, it, it is requiring every time I hear someone on the phone and they start out speaking and can't hear the rest, what they're saying, requiring re self-restraint on my part to not slam my head against the console. And look, I know that our radio station spent a fortune to get the greatest state-of-the-art equipment there is. So uh, it's not a problem with our equipment. We've tested it now six ways from Sunday. We are essentially being given the runaround by Verizon. Now, if I were Verizon and I heard that the most listened-to talk station in the country has phone lines that sound like a McDonald's drive through I'd be somewhat motivated to f- solve the problem. I'm reminded of that. Um, we only hear one end of the conversation, but you can guess what the other end of the conversation is. I'm reminded of that conversation in the film Groundhog Day where Phil Connors, who's the weatherman uh, played by Bill Murray, is trying to get out of Punxsutawney, and he can't because there's a snowstorm, a blizzard. And he's on the phone with everybody trying to get out of Punxsutawney. And he's saying, well, don't you have some sort of special service, some sort of special line available for celebrities or emergencies? And then you don't hear what the person says. But Phil Connors then says, well, I'm both. I'm a celebrity that's in an emergency. That's the way that I feel about this phone issue. Verizon should have a special line available for either radio stations or Problems that should have been fixed six days ago. And right now we're both. We, it's a problem that should have been fixed six days ago and we're a radio station. So uh, hopefully it goes away on its own. But from what I've learned in listening to your hiccup conversations is that um, it, very rarely do these problems go away on their own. Hey, uh, on the space front, an asteroid bigger than the Empire State Building is heading towards Earth. Um, and I think it, it's. I think it's going to happen today. M- Might have even have occurred yesterday, but it was reported this weekend that NASA was keeping a close eye on this huge asteroid that's heading towards Earth. The uh, space agency expects this asteroid to make a close approach, and this giant space rock is predicted to be up to one thousand six hundred eight feet wide. Now that's taller than the Empire State Building. So an asteroid of this size would cause serious damage if it hit Earth, but according to NASA, there's no need to panic because this should pass at a distance of about 3.5 million miles away. Now, that may sound pretty far away, but it's really not. Uh, That's why NASA has still flagged this as a close approach. If an asteroid comes within... 4.6 million miles and is over a certain size, it's considered potentially hazardous by cautious space agencies. So hopefully it was supposed to happen Sunday. So I guess we survived it, right? If anyone was hit by this asteroid, give me a call and let me know. Um, And and I'm curious if you did one of those Ben Affleck, Liz, Liv Tyler moments with you and any of your loved ones. I don't see anything on Twitter about it, but you know how Twitter is. They could be censoring this sort of thing. So we just don't know. Uh, 800 848 WABC. Now, the final piece of news as it relates to space has to do with these u these so called UFO hearings. Now, they don't really use the phrase UFO anymore, but, um, the, they call them UAPs now. So they're having hearings in Congress this week. This is – the last time Congress held hearings on this front was in the 1960s. So Congressman Andre Carson, who's a Democrat from Indiana, said there's a big need for a public examination of this unexplained aerial phenomenon. Now, this is a very serious guy. He's a seven-term lawmaker. He's overseeing these hearings, which are going to begin tomorrow, on Tuesday. And maybe we'll do – we'll we'll try and – hopefully if we get the phones working, we'll do something. Um, Andre Carson talked about this. This is what uh, he had to say on these Pentagon reports on UFOs and what they're hoping to get out of these hearings.
7: This report uh, that the Pentagon released and that you're pushing uh, for more conversation about, it's about a nine-page declassified report. And nowhere in this do I see mention of the words outer space, extraterrestrial, or alien – Seems they didn't want to go there. Is that wrong? Should that be ruled out?
18: Well, the report is inconclusive. Uh, What we do know is that there are nearly 100, and there have been nearly 150 sightings. 80 of those sightings have been detected with some of the best technology uh, the world has ever seen. And uh, we we, we can't rule out something that's otherworldly, but that's a very small percentage Uh, People want uh, members of the government to say it's extraterrestrial. We won't stop there. But certainly uh, it it poses a technological concern for us, and it poses a national security concern for us because we don't want our adversaries to have, one a technological advance uh, 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 over us in terms of what they can do and their capabilities. But what is curious is that many of these sightings have occurred around Many of our military assets, our naval bases, our military installations.
1: You hear that? Now, that's a very sane and sober individual. By the way, that audio is from actually a few months ago, courtesy of CBS's Face the Nation. But – We've heard similar things from a Tennessee Republican congressman by the name of Burkett who was on with John Katsimatidis just last week. And I'm trying to get him on this week as well to talk about these hearings. We've heard it from Senator Marco Rubio. We've heard it from Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. We've heard it from Senator Mark Warner. We've heard it from Senator Lindsey Graham. So this is bipartisan. And I'm glad that Congress is finally starting to take this issue seriously. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Now, again – I am. I have very measured expectations for what we're going to get out of these hearings, but at least I'd rather have them have these hearings than not have them. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe.
11: Hey, how was your weekend, Frankie? Great. My little relaxing. Um, well, that interview with Kelsey Grammer. Excellent interview. I really enjoyed it. I'm actually looking out my car window right now, and the moon's got, like, a red haze to it. It's, like, burning through the clouds. Um, remember that guy that you had on uh, a couple weeks ago that made those predictions and those dates of May 15th? Right, well, right. Today's May 16th. Yeah. You think this asteroid is going to maybe take us out? <laughs>
1: Well, I certainly hope not, but um you do, you do. we we will see what uh, what happens. Fingers crossed, but thanks for your compliments, Joe. Thanks for the moon update as well. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Nicoletta is in California. Hello Nicoletta. Uh how are you, Nicoletta?
19: Hey, well, how are you? Can you hear me? I hear you perfectly. Okay, great. Well, uh, just a couple of comments on first time caller and uh I enjoy your show. I got to listen to you uh, for some time, but also I don't have to, like, a, you know, go into the like a very like a uh, early morning hours because I'm three hours away behind. So I, I enjoy the show even more. So I don't have to really stay up all all night. So well, a, I appreciate you know,
1: that, and right. b- believe me, I yeah. know how uh how um how typical <laughs> how difficult that can be
19: yeah, yeah, so i so I don't know if I'm going to stay here, but uh more than likely I'll be moving into the 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 hardland I'll be only about an hour away, so just an hour behind Great. but I also want to compliment you for uh spectacular shows. you really had great guests. And I enjoy every minute of it. Well, it's so nice of you. Thank you, Nicolette. I yes, appreciate it. Yes. Okay. And then just a couple other things. So about your your brother Nick' hiccups. Mm-hmm. What and it works and it works. It's really easy. Drink water, but while you drink water, uh, close your nostrils with the thumb and in the index because you're kind of you have lots of air eventually. So that's what the the hiccups is all about. And you just uh, close your nostrils and you drink water and it goes away in no time.
1: All right. Well, that seems to be the common thread is some combination of drinking water and holding your breath. So I'm going to suggest all these to him.
19: Yeah, but the the nose, you know, close, close the the nostrils. It's really, really, really easy. And, you know, it's. It's guaranteed. I, I just had it tonight, and so it was just a you know, perfect timing. So I know I didn't get to see the moon, but I'll be going out just uh, to, to take a look. And uh, so I just want to thank you also for taking my call, and I enjoy your show so much.
1: Well, that's so nice of you, Nicolette. I hope you'll call again. Make it a regular habit.
19: I try Thank,
1: Thank you, you very so much. much. Appreciate it. Uh, have a good week. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc Kathy is in the East Village. Hello, Kathy.
5: Hi, Frankie. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing wonderfully. Thanks for asking.
5: Good. I'm glad to hear. Uh, the Eclipse. So, I, I live in the East Village. Went up to the uh, top of my building, the roof, sixth floor. Looked around, didn't see anything for a long while, but I just hung in there. And finally, I saw like, uh, it coming out of the clouds. It was beautiful. It, was, it had already and it was like um I think like after 11 had already been halfway eclipsed, like more than halfway eclipsed. So it sort of stayed out of the clouds and I watched it with binoculars and I watched it all the I got to see it all the way to total eclipsed, like through the binoculars. It was so great. It was just like a tiny little piece of light at the end of the moon and then it was all black and that was just so exciting. And then as it you know, given it time, it started kind of peaking peaking picking up light or color, but it doesn't come back like a eclipse where you know in pieces it's like a just a glow kind of starts to light the moon back up and I can only see that for a little bit of the orangish and then it hid that was it but it was a it was great.
1: Great. Well, that's um, that's uh, that's why I appreciate the update, Kathy. I'm glad you at least got to get a glimpse of it, even if it wasn't the the grand spectacle so that we were expecting. I can't
5: tell you how See, the uh, the the total eclipse was so great, and the uh, Long Island circle. Looking really forward to hearing about that. Thank
1: you. I'm yeah, that's sure. coming up in uh, just a couple of I can't minutes. Can't wait.
13: Thank okay. you, Kathy.
1: Appreciate Thanks. it. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Speaking of Long Island, Bill is in Huntington, right out there. Hello, Bill. Oh, how are you doing? I got to see
7: most of the totality, but it was the sky was hazy, it was kind of washed out. It yeah. wasn't really red like I've seen at other times.
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't even I couldn't see anything really from where I was in Manhattan. Now, sometimes it's trickier in Manhattan to see these sort of things. And thanks for the call bill. But the images that I've seen that other people are posting and that NASA had on its uh, live video stream of this were quite impressive. Uh Stephen is in West Orange hello stephen
11: hey what's up? um I was up at Eagle Rock Reservation up in West Orange. I watched the moon come up then it then it it, it hid then finally around after ten thirty it came out and it was only a, like a quarter of the moon it wasn't that red i I did you know like the crescent moon and then that was it so but a guy that was up there had a picture someone took from Ohio. And boy, what I, I was unbelievable. Yeah, that wa it.
7: Was something, right?
11: Yeah, I miss, I missed it, but an asteroid is one of the hell far out. It, it's not going to get us. Good,
1: wonderful. <laughs> All wonderful. right,
9: man. Bye bye.
1: Thank you, Stephen. 848 WABC. Eddie's in Ocean County. Hello, Eddie.
9: Hi Frank. I actually got a beautiful view at the moon. Um, I had no idea it was going to happen. All of a sudden, one of my friends told me that the moon's eclipsing, so I went out and I went through the forest. Uh, there's like some sand dunes. And real huge open space, and all dark all around, and it was just me and my friend and the moon, and we were there for like twenty minutes. Oh, there. great! It moved. It was beautiful. Did you Did you take some up- pictures? No, I didn't have my phone on me. It was a pity, but just got you know got to see it.
1: Well, that's great. Uh, that's great. And so, and you, it sounds like you were pretty impressed.
9: Yeah, I was very impressed. It was cool because as the as the shadow was moving over the moon, it was just back. it only turned red once. It was a full eclipse.
1: What time was it that you noticed that it did turn red?
9: I would say about 1130 was 1130. when it started, when the peak of it started.
1: Right. Well, good. I'm glad you got to check it out. Eddie, thanks for the call. Appreciate it very much. 800-848-WABC. If you want to comment on eclipses, black holes, asteroids, or UFOs, oh, my. 800 9222 We are going to talk a little bit about the Long Island serial killer coming up in just a bit. And if you want to join our Facebook group, where you can be heard on anything related to this show. You can just search on Facebook, Morano radio fans and haters. That's M O R A N O radio fans and haters. And, um, you can comment on anything that we're, you know, anything that we're experiencing, anything that we're talking about. And, uh, by the way, speaking of my siblings, two of my, you know, I have three siblings, Nicholas, Alexander, and Claudia. And, uh, they're all very impressive people in, in every respect. But um, my brother Alexander and my sister Claudia are actually going to be running the New York City Marathon this year. And they're – I mean, God bless them. I mean, I think that is a, um, a pretty impressive thing to begin with. But I am even more impressed at, that, that, at the charitable work that they're doing on the part of this marathon this year. They're raising money for research into something called EB. Uh, EB is what they call the short-form acronym for epidermolysis Bullosa. You can understand why everybody calls it EB. Uh, EB, if you're not familiar with it, count yourself lucky because you're only really familiar with this if you know someone or know a family or have had someone in your family that has dealt with this, but it's a rare, incredibly rare and life-threatening genetic skin disorder that affects children from birth. And uh, they are running running this race in order to raise some money for research into finding a cure for EB. Now, a very brave young man that our family knows by the name of John Hudson, he suffers with this EB. And it's very – if you – I don't want to be too graphic, but – and you could Google him. He's done interviews. He's gone on television in order to try and raise awareness about EB. But he almost looks like a a, a severe burn victim, and that's essentially how his skin has been his whole life. So Nick um, Alexander and Claudia are running to raise some money to find a cure for this EB, which they've already made a lot of headway. This is not like one of these pie-in-the-sky moonshot issues. There is a very real chance that EB could be cured within our lifetime as long as there's enough money for research and for trials, and they've done a lot of great stuff. So I'm going to be making a contribution, and if you want to make one as well, uh, you could. I have the link on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. They're hoping to raise about $6,000, and I think they've raised uh, about uh, 3000 so far. So they're about halfway there. So if you're interested in that uh, and supporting not only my siblings, but helping support the cause of EB, then just go to facebook.com slash MuranoFan. 800-848-WABC. We're going to talk with Frank McKay in just a couple of minutes, but Bobby is on the Upper West Side. Hello, Bobby.
7: Hey, Frank. So here's my take on this. Um, I could not see the uh, eclipse. However, it's it's known as a flower super eclipse and because the moon is so it pulls the tides so I, I am at 97th and west end avenue just a few blocks from the river and i smelled the salt water getting pulled up the Hudson from
11: oh, the eclipse interesting
7: you get that. I, is, is that wild? Or, I mean, and I grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut, and I've done sailboat deliveries. I know the smell of salt water, and that was definitely it. And now, one other thing, the Gilgo Beach stuff, mm-hmm. the people that did that, there's more than probably two, and they don't just stop. The- they get really scared and do other things and this the the guy that you're going to have on should probably investigate some of the sex websites because some of the sex websites self police themselves and they kick off the people who are really scary all right so that's it all
1: right well thank you Bobby i will have to do a deep dive And be researching several of those sex websites. And uh, just to make sure that they're doing a good job self-policing, I will do a a detailed analysis of all the sex websites. So, just to make sure they're okay. All right, uh, we're going to discuss the, on a serious note, the Long Island serial killer with Frank McKay, who, he's been a guest on this show before, and a friend of mine for a long time, but he's actually going to be taking a new role here at the radio station. I'll tell you about it, and so will he, in just a minute. Uh, But we're going to discuss this new, very interesting information as it relates to the Long Island serial killer, including these new 911 tapes that were released by the Suffolk County Police on Friday. Really wild stuff. We're going to play it for you. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
13: In this studio old
20: part of the city, where the sun reviews
13: to shine,
20: people tell me there ain't no use in trying. You're so young and pretty
1: Uh, This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. So, for the last year or so, uh, we've been chronicling the case of the Long Island serial killer. If you haven't heard about it, it's uh, really fascinating. It's um, basically a series of murders, mostly related to sex workers, that has really been... There are different theories as to who's responsible, but it's largely remained unsolved. And a lot of the segments that we've done on this show, they uh, seem to be... uh, part of the problem seemed to be what was going on in the police department itself and in the DA's office itself. So um, it, it was very interesting to me, one, that uh, a case of this magnitude and this significance w- didn't seem to be getting the kind of priority that a lot of us felt that it should. So um, we've been chronicling this for the last year. Friday was a big day. Because on Friday, the Suffolk County Police Department released three 911 calls from the moments leading up to the mysterious 2010 death of Shannon Gilbert. Shannon Gilbert was a Craigslist escort whose body was found on Oak Beach. And it was her disappearance more than a decade ago that touched off an area-wide manhunt that eventually led to... A very unexpected discovery. Human remains of another 10 people. So, uh, evidently, this beach was likely the dumping ground for what police believe is a serial killer or killers who has evaded authorities for decades. So, um, before we bring in the guy who knows this case better than anybody, I want to. I want you to hear some of this nine one one call. That uh, again, it's fourteen minutes. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I mean, I'm going to play you a portion of this Shannon Gilbert nine one one call from 2010. Here was Shannon Gilbert. So I, I know it's very difficult to hear, but what you can make out, and again, I'm going to share the whole uh, audio of the call on uh, my Facebook page at facebook.com slash fan. Uh, So you can listen to it on there. But what you can make out is her saying, they're going to kill me. And then the operator is reported repeatedly trying to get more information on her whereabouts. So at times, her voice is very clear and close to the microphone. At other times, her voice is very muffled or it disappears completely, overtaken by this rustling wind. Another time, and this is, I have to warn you, not for the faint at heart, Another time she lets out a blood curdling piercing scream. Um and it, again, I'm not trying to be sensationalistic at all here. I, I think this is a serious crime, and uh, the fact that we have a serial killer that has not been brought to justice, I think it 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 does have some probative value to exploring this kind of thing. But she's saying somebody's after me. Why are you guys doing this to me, Mike? Stop! Stop! Uh, the guy that has been on this case from the beginning. Wears many hats. He has been a longtime radio talk show host out on Long Island. He was the former chairman of the New York State Independence Party and just announced yesterday he is now going to be the president of WABC Radio's Long Island division. Uh, My very good friend and a, uh, a frequent contributor to this show, Frank McKay. Frank, thanks so much for joining us on the radio.
4: Frank, thanks for having me.
1: Um, so one of the interesting thing, well, there's so many interesting things about the relay, release of these, uh, tapes. Let me first begin with why are these tapes coming out now? If she made these calls 12 years ago, why are we just hearing about it right now?
21: Well, that's, that's been the age old question. And, you know, I've pointed to the fact that this is just, this has been a tremendous up, and we've never said why, uh, what well, well, we've never heard who did murder, you know. Even though we have our own speculation, and you and I have spoken privately, uh, but we we do know how it got up, and and a big part of it, a big part of it is uh, is Jimmy Burke. You know the the appointed, and by the way, this currently county executive has had appointed him to be the police chief, and he's got you know an unbelievable background. I've known both the county executive and jimmy burke in, in very friendly ways you know and uh never never harsh words at one until until uh this whole thing has just been completely covered up now now at this point uh the the reason these are happening now is because the da uh tim sinney, who uh, who was uh, taken over for t- tom spoda who is currently serving a five-year prison sentence in federal prison uh but tim sinney um, took over after that and did absolutely nothing on this case. Uh, the first time he lifted a finger on Lisk, on the Long Island serial killer, it was somewhere around uh, August 10th of 2021, and it was uh, it, it, it was done under the guise. Of his uh, activity was all based around arresting one individual and say uh, saying this is. I'm not going to say the individual's name, but it was a former cop out of New York City that uh, allegedly he was uh, he was really contemplating arresting before the election to try to get himself reelected. He was talked out of it. Uh, I, I, I squalmed him uh, over the um, over the idea of this on on radio. He listened to everything Not that he was listening to me, but he uh, he realized that we were going to call him on it. But the cops and, and some of the cops that are still involved here. I uh, told him, look, you, you can't do it, you, and it was all, all going to be based on pings and uh, and cell to- uh, cell tower data and so forth. But the reason that this is happening now is because a guy named Ray Tierney was elected, and he defeated soundly defeated uh, uh, Tim Sinney, and they knew that he was going to investigate it, and he had no ties to the political world out here, and he had no ties to the, uh, the cops. He, you know, obviously has uh, cop ties, but uh, but no. Um, involvement in their nefarious um, activities, or, or and I'm not saying all cops, but uh, many of the cops that got involved, and uh, and we got to believe that this was covered up because it's embarrassing, at the very least uh, embarrassing to many of the police officers that were involved. in uh, you know, uh, I hate to use the term; it sounds like an eighty-year-old, but sex parties that were going out and, and going around there, and with sex workers and and so forth, and they just didn't want this getting around. That's the that uh that it could be as far as why there's a cover up uh the most is that there could be you know some of their own or somebody close to them that are involved with uh with one or or more of the uh couple of
1: things related to this case, and uh, people are just tuning in, we're talking with Frank McKay. He's the new uh, president of uh, WABC's Long Island division, which uh, is uh, centered around 107.1 FM out on eastern Long Island. I know, we, I know we have a lot of listeners that listen on 107.1 FM, and when I was out on uh, Suffolk County, I was listening uh, on 107.1. It sounded great, the station, but um, I, I want to pick your brain on some radio-related things as well. But, Frank, one of the things that I found very interesting and quite a bit of us is at this press conference that the police officials held on Friday these uh officials said they don't believe that Shannon Gilbert, who again, for the point of clarity, is the person in that nine one one call that we just played, who's screaming and talking about uh what are you going to do kill me um they said they don't believe that she was murdered. Now you got to explain this to me, Frank. How can they release this nine one one call, which sounds very, very chilling, and it sounds uh, like she's clearly being victimized by somebody? How can they say that she wasn't murdered? What are they saying happened to her?
21: Well, I think that this uh, prior to this nine one one tape, there's been discussion uh, of of what to do with the aftermath of playing it. Is your saying what everyone else I shouldn't say everyone else but most people 90 percent of the people that are listening to it clear-headedly are are saying is that, that obviously she's saying you know someone's trying to kill me and something's going on here they're going to make the case and if you think about it at the press conference the DA wasn't there um and and he wasn't represented there it was, this was all police officers that were were there and uh, and they they put it out and the um the, the bottom line is, I, I think they are going to um, try to clear uh, Shannon Gilbert's, uh, you know, I, was, I almost said murdered but uh, her death as an accident that happened. And that's what they're going to do now. And they they knew that this was going to be a conundrum. They knew that this was going to be a Pandora's box when they opened it up. But, but they are claiming that they and, and I'm not questioning their their integrity right i mean i have a tremendous amount of respect for uh police officers here in suffolk county they're great but I'm going to make the case that uh that this was an accident this was just a freak occurrence and everything that she said uh, you know it should be taken as a, a, a with a grain of salt and that she wandered into this marsh and she just drowned or whatever uh happened to her but now now the uh interesting situations uh, really begin how do they explain this and there's going to be other people uh emerging and talking about this and and bringing it up and and hack it. how do they answer uh peter hackett who uh has strong ties to the police he's dr peter hackett uh was uh, a resident of gilgo of, of uh oak beach and um uh, called shannon gilbert's mother how are they going to explain that i, I don't uh, Hackett 's name was mentioned uh anywhere near the press conference or or afterwards and uh and now um and i I hate to put it like this, but the fun begins. How do they explain all of this
1: well and um I guess my other question is is why now let's assume as a lot of people believe that there was some sort of a cover up or at least not a lot of enthusiasm on the part of certain prosecutorial officials or investigators, and they didn't want to come up with the um, the true identity of the killer or killers, if they've acknowledged that 10 people are likely the murder victims of, of LISC, why would what's the harm in also admitting that Shannon Gilbert is likely one of the victims of the murderer? Why would they have an interest why would anyone have an interest in making her death accidental whereas the other ten deaths we're talking about here would be homicides
15: well it, you know it that is the
21: that is the huge question that is a that that is a big question One of the stranger situations that, uh, that occurred just recently is that they they took Shannon Gilbert's name as a possible. This is on on the police side. This is on the Suffolk County Police side um, as a possible victim of list, and they moved into the definite category. This is I don't know if it's still there. I look before the show, but if uh, if someone wants to look, anyone listening wants to look. At this point, uh, they, they moved her from the possible. At one point to into the definite category, which was bizarre from my standpoint and and they did that, and they took peaches off peaches is the uh, is the sex worker who um uh who you know was decapitated and found in near Jones Beach in Hempstead in the town of Hempstead, but her baby, her biological dna proven baby uh baby doe they they call uh, it was a toddler sixteen to twenty four months uh, old is still on that list. So they, they took pictures off and they and they moved Shannon Gilbert onto the list for at least temporarily. And I think the, the bizarre thing from my standpoint is they did that prior to trying to clear her as a victim, which they're currently doing now. And I, I think everything that they've done, all the prep work that that came up to um, to this date, this last Friday, releasing the tape uh, is is strangely enough to clear shannon gilbert as a uh, as a victim of this crime and again I, you know in the big picture i don't know whether she, she is a murder victim i don't know that that she's not but what she certainly sounds like one and uh and and now they have to explain that but they are clearly you're you're right uh, your earlier take is right they are clearly going to try to permanently take her off the list as a uh, as a list victim
13: uh, very
1: interesting. Uh, so w- was there anything else that you learned uh, in listening to the tapes that were released on Friday? Anything that surprised you or anything that uh, that you felt played into existing theories about the, the identity here? Any other takes that you have based on the audio that was released Friday?
21: No, I think because I've I've spoken to so many people who and I'm not saying they told any tales out of school or whatever, but I've been on this for a long time. And, you know, there was no surprises on that. In fact, uh, you know, Joe Brewer, I've had on my show three times, uh, and he was very open. And he's the he's the John. He's the uh, the, the man who hired Shannon Gilbert in the first place. Uh, he was one of the voices that you hear on the tape. And, um, and he immediately, as soon as he found out that she was missing, he immediately called the police, no lawyer, and he talked to them. I'm not trying to put a halo over uh, Brewer's head, but uh, he, I, I think, uh, is is... Probably looks more less and less like uh, a killer. You know, mm-hmm. obviously uh, he hired uh, her, and, and this terrible situation happened to uh, Shannon Gilbert. After this, uh, the Michael you know, the, that she was talking about is Michael Pack, the uh, the driver, her driver, and you you know, let's assume that our, her her pimp, uh, you know, or in some uh, in some cases, uh, if not completely, uh, Michael Pack would the uh, would be her helper, and, and this whole thing, or in, in this case. Uh, you know, not enough help, obviously, for poor Shannon. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't particularly learn uh, all that much. But I haven't examined the text, sure. and I, I, I don't think it's going to be, uh, be big information for me on there. But what I, I do think is really significant is how are they going to answer Hackett? How are they going to answer a guy named Tom Canning who, uh, who told the Scalises uh, who, uh, who live on residence on. On Oak Beach, that uh, that Hackett uh, sedated Shannon Gilbert before she ran, and he, they made a. Uh, I think uh, Scalise said publicly, and and many times, uh, he made uh, like a needle type uh, uh, finger point, and said that uh, Peter Hackett, Dr. Hackett, had to sedate her. So how does that come up, and and where does that come up? It's a conundrum. Like I said, it's a real serious issue for the cops.
1: Absolutely. So what is the next step in this investigation? Uh, it sounds like with the with the new DA, there's a a newfound um, seriousness of purpose in investigating this. Where do we go from here? What can those of us that are interested in this case and want to know the true identity of the killers, what can we look forward to or at least look at with great interest?
21: Um, what, what's the, the uh, operation between the police and and the district attorney, uh, you know, I, I guess, question why. And I don't, I don't know, and I'm not telling tales out of school. But why wasn't the DA uh, at this uh, this release? Obviously, he gave his go ahead to allow the police to do it, or they wouldn't have done it. Uh, DA's the the big fish out here, and the commissioner is uh, is certainly taking the lead on the public relations. Uh, why isn't Tierney? Uh, taking the lead on the on the public relations. Is he shy? I, I don't think so. But uh, the police are clearly, uh, you know, putting it out there. And I appreciate it because it's, there's been nothing done on it at all. Uh, the, the the thing that everyone has to uh, watch is how do they explain Hackett? How do they fully explain Shannon Gilbert's death? And and by the way, uh, they may be in in agreement with the uh, district attorney's office on it. But how do all of them? explain Shannon Gilbert's death. And and when they start explaining, uh, it's almost like the more, you know, the less you understand the 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 explanation of her death and how she died is going to be the thing that everyone should watch.
1: Mm. Uh, No, it's uh, that's good to know. All right. Um, Now, you have been in radio for a long time, and we're very, very lucky that you're jo- officially joining the WABC fold. This is a brand-new announcement. The press release just went out yesterday. A lot of our staff, I think, may not even know about your new role, but you're going to be uh, the new president of uh, WABC Long Island Division. What exactly does that mean? What are you going to be
21: doing? Well, the, the, the first thing, uh, first and foremost, that uh, it, it, it's a juggling act. Right. So there's a lot of different roles. First of all, uh, not a uh, never ending promotion for our guests, even even those with a, a 20 share in, uh, <laughs> in, in the New York market. Uh, th- there are people out here who, believe it or not, haven't heard of you and uh, that are listening on WLIR, uh, you know, which is confusing for a lot of people. But we'll we'll make that less confusing as we go on. Um, and and Bernie and Sid and uh, Mayor Giuliani and of course Katz, uh, the owner and the uh, patriarch of uh, of this uh, entity. I, it's it's for me to let everyone know on Long Island that they uh, they can know or, or they can listen to uh, every step of the way, no matter where they are on Long Island. So it's a, a big part of it is promotion. Another part of it is is fundraising, uh, sales. And- and sponsorships and, uh, and interacting with the business community. Uh, what you did a little, uh, earlier too, with, uh, with uh, EB situations, making people aware, uh, is, you know, you and the station that's getting involved in the community more and more of that, uh, of that has to be done here. And, uh, and, and if you, if you don't mind, I'll give you a, a quick little, uh, a tidbit that I, um, that I picked up. And first of all, I'm, I'm very honored, that uh, John Katsimatidis and, and our president, uh, Chad Lopez, uh, trusted me with this position and, and I'm diving in headfirst and, uh, and, and just constant and never ending promotion of the station and, and, you know, moving around. But, uh, when I first got involved in politics, there was a, a candidate, a congressional candidate who came in front of us, a woman. And, and I remember screening her and she went down to congressional school and I, uh, As part of the screening process, I said, what was the first thing they told you in congressional school? And she said, you know, it was interesting. They told me to write down every person I've ever met in my life, (laughs) uh, my boyfriend from third grade, my cousin's doorman, and make a list of every person I've ever heard of in my life or anybody that possibly heard of me and that I've met. And and then the the next step was to make sure that all of those people uh, knew what I was doing, that I was running for, uh, for office. Uh, I've followed that advice ever since nineteen ninety when I heard it, and I, I should mention that she got clobbered in the campaign. She got absolutely crushed in the campaign. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I thought it was a great tidbit, and I, I've done that all along, and especially now with this position. I've everyone that I've ever met in my life, I've made a list of, and I'll, I'll be reaching out, making sure they know about uh, 1071, making sure they know about you, and they know about Bernie, and they know about cats. And they know about everything else that's going on. And I, as I go through that list, or people go through that list, uh, we'll be picking up who's who's that ad agencies, who's uh, sure. who's involved with sponsorship, who's involved with the business community here. But you know, listeners, listeners are a, a big part of this. So I want to meet as many of the listeners as possible. I want to meet as many of the uh, benefactors, community benefactors, as uh, possible. But it's a it's a juggling act between all the different things and uh, and. A- Next week, this time next week, I'll be on air on uh, 107. 1FM, uh, and, uh, and you know, we'll be promoting uh, the show and bringing... Uh, well, so I, I was just going to uh, ask you
1: about that. So you've done some great work, and people are just here you know, We're talking with Frank McKay. He's uh, a veteran radio talk show host, uh, knows politics better than anybody, is the former chairman of the uh, New York State Independence Party, uh, and uh, he is the new president of uh, WABC's Long Island division. And uh, as I mentioned, Frank, you've done some incredible work on a variety of topics. But one of my great frustrations as a talk radio listener is it seems like so much of what people do, is just regurgitating existing uh, content. They read what's in the paper, they say what's in the paper, and then they'll give their opinion on what's in the paper. There's nothing new. You've actually broken a remarkable amount of new ground with this list case. So you're going to be heard every day at 8 p.m. beginning a week from today on 107.1 FM, right?
13: Yes. That's correct. Great.
1: And if people are not on Long Island, they can still listen uh, because there's a lot of great local content by going to wabcradio.com. That's wabcradio.com. And lastly, Frank, you know uh, there a lot of folks listening to us right now, as you know, on Eastern Long Island, that may have different community events or different uh, guests that they may want to pitch to you, who are involved in some making news out there. W- what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you these days?
21: Yeah, well, until I have an official, uh, you know, well, staff, or uh, in this case, uh, I'm I'm my own staff, I give out my email address. I'll probably regret this, but, uh, you know, let me let me give it out. It's Frank McKay. McKay is M-A-C-K-A-Y media at email. And, you know, I'm. I'm really looking forward to hearing from different people, especially listeners out here, out on Long Island. And, you know, we want to spread the word and we want to do the right thing by you, by our great uh, on air.
1: Well, it's very exciting. I'm excited. Hopefully we can make these uh, conversations on air a a regular occurrence. And again, that's Frank McKay media at Gmail dot com. Frank. M-A-C-K-A-Y, media at gmail.com. If there's anything going on in Long Island that Frank should be aware of, any guests, any community events, any uh, advertisers that want to reach the best audience in all of radio, reach out to Frank McKay Media at gmail.com. Frank, congratulations. We're thrilled to have you on board. It's great to be working with you again. Thrilled well, to be
21: here. Thanks for all your help, Frank.
1: Thank you, Frank McKay. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
1: Side of Midnight, I'm Frank Moreno. Hey, you know what I'd love to do? Um, If you are anywhere within the sound of my voice, whether you're listening live or on the podcast, um, I would love to see your images of this lunar eclipse if you got to see one. I got some very nice images emailed to me by a gentleman named Thomas Boyd. But what I think would be fun is if you got any great pictures of this, share it in the Facebook group. Go on on Facebook and just type Murano Radio fans and haters," and share your pictures in there, <clears throat> because a lot of people like me didn't get to see anything because of the weather or whatever. So I think a lot of us might be curious to see your your images. So go on Facebook, Morano Radio fans and haters, and post those pictures on there. Uh, as uh, I mentioned, and as Frank McKay alluded to. Um, we are, uh, I'm trying to help my, uh, sister Claudia and my brother Alexander out with their efforts with this fundraising for EB. I have a link to that on my Facebook page as well. So if you want to make a small contribution, go to facebook.com slash morano fan. And I'm trying to, so I don't have my computer today. I'll explain that a little later, but I'm trying to go onto Facebook and share this This event that I'm appearing at Thursday night, but I can't uh, I can't do it. But I I talked about this before 6 p.m. this Thursday. There's going to be a a fundraiser cigars and cocktails at Alora's restaurant. uh, Alora's rooftop bar cigars and cocktails. It's a fundraiser for um, Sudsy, which is a sudden unexplained death in childhood. I'm going to be there. And if you're interested in going, uh, I think tickets are $250 a person. Go to lyric, uh, lyricsforlucas.org. Lyricsforlucas.org, or you can email lyricsforlucas at uh, gmail.com. Coming up, we got commendations and the search for a missing sense of smell, or a sense of scent, I guess. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Until next hour, keep asking questions.
0: This. Is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio seventy-seven WABC. Now here's Frank Morano.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. If uh, you want to comment on anything we're talking about, give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. Well, there are so many folks that uh, look forward to... One thing each and every week. They are living their life in a godly manner. They are trying to do good deeds. They do charity work. They walk old ladies across the crosswalk. They do whatever they can to fight crime. And they do it all in the hopes that one day they may soon be the recipient of one of these.
0: The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations.
1: That's right. Uh, This is a a way of rewarding or recognizing people that have done something noteworthy or something that's special. And I have to begin with Reed Detmers. Do do you know who Reed Detmers is? I have to be honest. I'm a baseball fan. I don't follow it as closely as I did when I was 10. But um, I did not know who Reed Detmers was. Now I do. Reed Detmers is a pitcher for the Anaheim Angels. They are called the, An- or no, That now they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So they were originally the California Angels. Then they were the Anaheim Angels. Then they were the Los Angeles Am- Angels of Anaheim. Now I believe they're just the Los Angeles Angels. So, um, Reed Detmers is a rookie pitcher for the Angels. And in spite of the fact that he's a rookie, in spite of the fact that He is only 22 years old. Last week, he pitched a no-hitter and blew out the Tampa Bay Rays, faced only one batter more than the minimum in a game that went just comically sideways for the Rays. So this was almost a perfect game. This is a near-perfect game. Reed Detmers, this was only his 11th career start. And this it was a must-see game. He struck out only two batters, which is amazing, in a 12 nothing victory over the Rays uh, for the Angels. But it was the second no-hitter in the majors this season after my New York Metropolitans combined for a no-hitter last month. Boy, I, I tell you, my whole life as a Met fan, never seeing a no-hitter until 10 years ago. I never thought I'd be seeing... A met no hitter last month. It's really, it's really wild. But Reed Detmers did indeed pitch a no hitter as a rookie. I want to give a commendation as well to Darren Harrison. By now, you've probably heard about this, but um, this is extraordinary. Darren Harrison was a passenger on an airplane, and he heard his pilot say he wasn't feeling well, and then he saw him suddenly slump over the controls of this single-engine Cessna airplane, sending it into a nosedive. So this guy, Darren Harrison, who's never flown before, springs into action. He was one of only two passengers on this airplane flying from the Bahamas to Florida when the pilot becomes incapacitated. And in spite of the fact that he had no flying experience... Harrison climbed over three rows of seats into the cockpit, moved the pilot out of his seat and scrambled to put on a pair of headphones and make contact with air traffic control in audio, which you could hear from a from a call that he made to the air traffic control uh, tower at Fort Pierce. He said, I've got a serious situation here. My pilot has gone incoherent. I have no idea how to fly the airplane. I mean, this is the stuff that disaster movies are made out of. In fact, if you put this in a disaster movie, I think that you would think that um, it was too unrealistic. So at first, Harrison didn't know where the aircraft he was flying was even located. But with the help of the air traffic controllers, he was told to fly ahead and start a gradual descent. So as he neared Palm Beach, Florida, Robert... Morgan, a part-time flight instructor with experience piloting a Cessna aircraft, was called from his break to help out. So the two of them, Robert Morgan on the ground and Darren Harrison on the air, they were able to land this plane, which is pretty extraordinary and pretty special. If there's anybody that uh, deserves a commendation, it's Darren Harrison, and I'll also extend that to Mr. Morgan and everybody at air traffic control that helped guide this guy who was probably freaking out as he was trying to land this plane. Now, I also want to give a commendation to Asbury Park, which I now know is not the same as Asbury. There's an Asbury Park in New Jersey and there's an Asbury. So we have listeners in Asbury, but we don't know. Maybe we have listeners in Asbury Park as well. Now, why am I giving a commendation to Asbury Park? Because... Travelandleisure.com just released a list of the 25 best beaches in the United States. And wouldn't you know it, Asbury Park made the list. This is incredible. They have Asbury Park Beach as one of the 25 most beautiful beaches in the whole country. Now, that's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Kudos to Asbury Park Beach. I was uh, only there once, but uh, the one time that I was there, it was the first day that New Jersey allowed indoor dining. The one time that I was there, we went to the beach, and we had a great time. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So That was great. And I want to give a commendation as well to Josh Gottheimer. Josh Gottheimer um, has been named... As the most, this is by the Georgetown University McCourt School of Public Policy. Pretty objective group. Founded, and named for a Republican. Josh Gottheimer has been named the most bipartisan Democrat in Congress. Now, it doesn't mean uh, you uh, would agree with Josh Gottheimer on everything, because, look, we've seen a lot of times... The Ukraine aid bill is the most recent example where I didn't agree with that. A lot of times the two parties partner on something that I don't necessarily like. But in this era where the parties are at each other's throats, where they thrive by demonizing the other guy, where they're afraid to be even seen going out to lunch or going out to dinner with somebody from the opposing party, I think this is worthy of recognition because the people that are the most bipartisan – people that are willing to work with their colleagues across the other side of the aisle, those are usually folks from competitive districts. So because they're from competitive districts, those are always the congressmen that are most targeted by the other guys. So I always like to call out people that go out of their way in this era especially to work with people on the other side of the aisle, and I have to give commendation for Josh Gottheimer for being named the most bipartisan Democrat in Congress. Speaking of politics, I have to give commendation to the state of Maine. I'll tell you, Maine is—I've got to get to Maine. Uh, maybe this state, this uh, this summer, will go because every week Maine does something that I like. I, you know, I, and I've heard so many great things about this state. I've really got to visit. And last week. Maine finally passed a law letting independent voters vote in primaries, not in both primaries, but you get to choose one. So if you're an independent voter and you pay for the Republican primary and the Democratic primary, you can choose which one you want to vote in without having to join that party on the spot. I would love to do that. I would love to. You know, we have a competitive primary for for the Democrats and the Republicans coming up this year. I'd love to vote in one of them, either one, but the parties have made clear they don't want me participating, even though I am paying the bills for that primary. Well, Maine recognizes the inequity of having taxpayers not be able to participate in the very elections that they're funding. So thank you, Maine, for actually showing you care about independent voters and taxpayers. I wish New York would follow your lead. I have to give a commendation to Eric Legrand. This is some story. It's a sad story, but it's also a wonderful story. So um, Eric Legrand was a football player. And 10 years ago, 12 years ago, actually, he was uh, playing for Rutgers at MetLife Stadium in a game against uh, Army. And he got hurt. And since then, he's been paralyzed from the neck down. And in spite of the fact that this happened essentially in the prime of his life and in the prime of his playing career... He has had the most positive attitude that you can imagine. So now this New Jersey native is um, doing something that I think is great. Yesterday, it was Saturday technically, he opened a new coffee shop in Woodbridge, New Jersey. They called it a LeGrand opening that's been nearly two years in the making. So he had now has this coffee shop. I cannot wait to go. It's called LeGrand Coffee House. I will be visiting this. I will be patronizing this. I'll be tipping heavily. I think this is such a great thing, and I have no problem giving these guys a free commercial. We're not supposed to do that, but if if they, if they have to send me a bill for promoting the Grand Coffee Shop, so be it, because I am going to promote this business as often as I can, because what Eric LeGrand has done here. Is so inspirational, not to ju- not just to people that are handicapped, but to people that have faced any kind of adversity. How often do you get dealt a setback in life and you feel the need to give up, to quit? This guy is an inspiration to me, and I think he should be an inspiration to everybody, because He could have very easily just spent the rest of his life feeling sorry for himself. And instead, he's trying to give back. And um, there's a philanthropic angle behind this as well. And uh, this is really just great. So they're going to have um, a lot of different aspects of this coffee shop. And it got delayed a little bit because of the pandemic. But you're going to see Eric LeGrand behind the counter. He was behind there on Saturday. And uh, this is just great. I love promoting what they so-called mom-and-pop businesses in general. And I would definitely go to this coffee shop over a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts anyway. But the fact that it's it's put on by Eric LeGrand, I think, is just wonderful. This space is designed to accommodate others in wheelchairs or with special needs, which I think is also great. The doors are wider, the bathrooms are larger, and there are high-top tables uh, that customers and chairs can can fit under. Uh, I think this is just great. I love everything about this. The LeGrand Coffee House in Woodbridge, New Jersey. And uh, they have a specialty drink called the Scarlet Knight, because that's the Rutgers team, the Scarlet Knights, which is a mocha coffee with raspberry and chocolate syrup. It sounds delicious. So uh, I can't wait to go, and I hope you all go as well. If you do go, check it out. Let me know how you like it. Uh, I also want to give a commendation to Netflix. Look, I have been very critical of Netflix time and time again, uh, although it's not stopping me from still being a subscriber to Netflix. But they do all sorts of things that I don't like, and I've denounced them each of those times. But now I love that what they're doing here, and I have no problem giving them a commendation. So in light of the internal dissension triggered by productions like Dave Chappelle's stand-up special, Netflix has issued a memo to all of its disgruntled staffers underscoring that Netflix values artistic expression over each employee's personal thoughts. Quote, as employees, we support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. They sent out this memo titled Netflix culture seeking Ec- excellence quote, depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. Listen to this. If you, if you'd find it hard to support our content breath, Netflix may not be the place for you. I love this. Essentially Netflix is telling its staff, Hey, if you don't like it here, if you're not comfortable with Dave Chappelle making a transgender joke, there's the door. No one's forcing you to work here. This is you compare this, this attitude to what Disney did, where they allowed their own company to essentially be held hostage by people who were offended by saying Oriental instead of Asian American. I know that's not actually what it was about. It was more about the opposition to uh, the uh, so-called don't say gay bill in Florida. But the point is still the same. Um this is what companies should do. They should not cower in the face of employees being offended. This is what they should do. Put out every possible type of story you can, and if some people are offended by it, tough. You don't want to work here. No one's forcing you. I think this is great. And I can see John Katzmatidis doing the same kind of thing. Uh, I mean, w- nobody around here, we're all lucky enough to have our jobs. Nobody sits around complaining about being offended from what I've seen. So I don't think there's much of a need for a memo at our station. But I think this is just terrific. So hats off to you, Netflix. And let me also commend a, a person that I've been quite critical of from time to time, particularly during the uh, campaign a few months ago. And that is Mayor Eric Adams. They announced on Thursday the details of a plan to screen every New York City student for dyslexia. How this has never happened before in New York is beyond me. There are so many students, not just in New York, but around the country, who um, have been dealing with dyslexia and didn't know what it was, or took a long time to figure out what it was, and their teachers, sometimes even their parents, thought they were dumb, or slow, or sometimes the children themselves got discouraged, and they lost interest in learning, they lost interest in reading, all because of something that they had nothing to do with. And this all could be prevented by identifying which students are suffering with dyslexia. Now, Eric Adams has talked about this, that um he, su- he has dyslexia. And he spent a long time not knowing it and, and kind of not being a good student. And that's such a shame. no student, no person should lose or never develop a love of learning because of something they have nothing to do with. And this is something that could have been done by the last five mayors. Everyone has known this is a problem. And I say hats off to you, Eric Adams. Now, I am very critical of a lot of things that Eric Adams does, especially as it relates to education. This is one thing that I hope is a model for every mayor in America. Every student in America should be screened for dyslexia. And as far as I'm concerned, this is a great thing that Mayor Eric Adams is doing, and I have no problem saying so. I want to commend the Mediterranean diet. Researchers at the University of Technology in Sydney, they have found it's a very small sample size that they studied, but. They have found that in men aged 18 to 25, a Mediterranean diet can actually help with depression. So if you're a young man who's battling with depression, consider the Mediterranean diet. It appears, at least in this early study from the University of Technology, Sydney, it appears to help. So... This Mediterranean diet, which usually involves eating a lot of fruit, vegetables, beans, nuts, healthy grains, fish, olive oil, and then small amounts of meat, dairy, and red wine helps a great deal with depression. I find when I'm depressed, red wine's the best thing for you. Or bourbon. Or Bombay Sapphire Gin. You know, so I'm not sure that all of those are components of the Mediterranean diet, but whatever works for you. So, uh kudos to the Mediterranean diet. And finally, I want to give a commendation to baby Ariana Idala. Yesterday, I uh, attended the christening of one of my best friends, really one of my brothers, uh Arthur Idala. They you know, it's it's a phrase that gets used so often, but it's true in our case. Uh, Arthur is my brother from another mother. And um we were we were kind enough to be in, we were lucky enough to be invited to Ariana his baby daughter's Christening yesterday, and it was a wonderful affair, and uh, very, very tastefully done, and his wife, Marianne, um, deserves all the credit for putting together this event, but we were lucky to be there, and uh, commendation to young Ariana, and uh, I'm so proud of her that she was able to achieve a commendation this early in life. It's something that not a lot of people can do, and hopefully that is the start of a, a great life for her, of doing good deeds and uh, as of now, she's officially a Christian. So uh, congratulations to Ariana, and my thanks to Arthur and Marianne and everybody else for inviting us to the party. We had a great time. All right, uh, if you want to comment on anybody that I have commended, you can give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Marano. Straight ahead.
0: It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
1: I'm Frank Marano. Um Happy Monday. Start of a brand new week. Hey, uh, you know who's filling in this week in the uh, noon slot? You might have heard it if you were listening to the previous show. Dominic Carter. So they will be playing Welcome Back Carter uh, at 12.15 today. As uh, Dominic Carter, who's a great guy, a wonderful guy, is going to be in from 12.15 to 1 all, uh, all week. Ever since they... Made the move, the correct move in my judgment, not that anybody yet to get rid of Charlie Kirk. They've been having a series of uh, rotating hosts in there. Curtis did one week. Lydia did another week. James Golden did another week. Dick Myers did another week. And uh, it's going to be Dominic Carter this week, which I'm I'm usually not awake at 12.15, but I'm going to make an effort to try and hear at least a little bit of the show because Dominic is a wonderful guy and does a great, great job. And he's nice, which is more than I can say for my friend, Curtis slewa Now, if it's Monday, that means I have to devote at least a little bit of time to rebutting the enormous, enormous number of inaccurate things that Curtis Slewa has said about me in the 12 overnight hours that he's on Saturday and Sunday now. I heard a big portion of it because for whatever reason, I've been having a difficult time sleeping on both Friday night and Saturday night. So I'll go to bed with my wife, and I I think we went to bed around 1030 on Friday night and maybe around 10 on Saturday night. And I'll fall asleep with her, and then by 2 a.m., I'm wide awake. And I start, you know, I'll lie in bed, and then, you know, I go to 10 to Carmine, and then what do you end up doing? You end up listening to Curtis. I got to tell you, so compelling. This weekend in bashing me that, you know, I'm listening to Curtis and I'm thinking, wow, I, I really am a jerk. I, I really am a buffoon. And, and I know what he's saying is not true intellectually because this is my life and I'm living it. But he's so good at crafting this image that I'm a piece of garbage that I start to believe it. Wow. Geez. How could I do that? You know, really? I, I, I'm not going to play you this, but, um, well, I'll play you some clips of Curtis and his his callers bashing me essentially over the weekend. And this is essentially this was the whole show for Saturday and Sunday. And he did a little a little other stuff um, on Sunday, but uh, I'm not. This is a small small snippet. I think the podcast should be available on uh, wabcradio.com. But this is again my pal Joe in Ron Konkuma. Now, Joe and Ron Konkuma is an interesting guy because he's everybody's best friend. You know, whatever show he's calling, that's the that's the that's the person that he's the best friend to. So Joe in Ron Konkuma calls Curtis and has uh, some interesting thoughts on my marriage.
20: Let's go to Giuseppe calling from Konkama. Your turn to be heard here, at WABC, Giuseppe.
11: Hey, Curtis. You we were talking about Murano and, um, it was alligator arms. And I, I listened to him talk and my wife too. Like, his wife was on Newsmax. Um, I think it was on Thursday. And she was talking about the baby formula situation. And I was listening. What a bright, uh, a great mother. He's of, uh, online. so adorable. And, You know, she's, like, so, like, I don't know, down to earth. And, like, I listen to Frank, and I love Frank. Frank's got a great show, and I look at him, like you tell everybody to do, listen to him. But, like, like, I don't understand, Curtis, where she's, like, totally, I I know opposites attract. But she's, like, it it baffles me that they're, like, you know, married because he's out partying. And he he says it right on the air that she yells at him all the time. Because he's out partying, drinking, having a
19: good
11: time, and she's home with the kid doing everything. And it's, it's,
20: it's sometimes sad, you know. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, uh, I know both of them. She is a stellar journalist. Uh, at times, uh, she uh, has written pieces, although never nominated, could easily have been nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, but it's like the yin and the yang. She's the anchor yeah. to their relationship. Frank, uh, he has he said oftentimes he can't say no. So, for instance, Frank could have been up for 20 straight hours. 20 straight hours, he's got the clothespins in his eyelids to keep him going. Somebody will call him up and say, Frank, can you meet me at the diner? He'll go to the diner. He can't say no. He's even said that's his yeah. Achilles heel. Yeah,
11: you're right. And you remember that time he was supposed to come out to my house and run cocky Not true. I got a notice in the mail that... Ping pong table that I rented to him to come play. And, you know he needs to have a regulation ping pong table. He can't have any like knockoffs. They, cleaned. the guy that came to get the ping pong table from my house, redelivered it back. To, now they're trying to come after me for eighteen hundred dollars for this ping pong table. My wife is like livid over this.
20: Oh, I, I don't. I can't blame her. I, I would tell you that if that decision was Rachel, who's originally uh, from that area, she would have said, Frank, don't do that. Don't do that to this hardworking guy, Joe, and his family. But, you know, Frank, he just doesn't know how to say no. That's that's his number one problem. Now, let me repeat this. I was never supposed
1: to go to Joe's house. Never. I was, never, I was never there was never there no plans to go to Joe's house. There was no regulation ping pong table rented. There was there, there was no abandonment of those plans. There was no standing up Joe. Nothing never scheduled to be there was not going to be there. There was no table rented. If he rented a ping pong table and is getting beat for $1800, that's on him. None of what you just heard is true. None. Well, except that Rachel is very down to earth and I'm a little bit of a crazy person. That is true. But it makes you appreciate Rachel's uh, patience even more. Now, he gets another caller who has a lot of opinions about me, named Leah. And they're talking about the WABC ratings dinner.
20: To the phones, it's uh, Leah calling from Newark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leah.
1: I'm just
10: wondering if you were invited last Wednesday night to the uh, ratings party. Yes, he was. Yes. I you uh, hear your
20: name mentioned. No, no, I was there uh, along with my lovely wife, uh, Nancy, who has oh, given okay. her shout-outs for her contribution to the Animal Welfare yeah, Hour. Good. Uh, and also they and, talked...
10: Uh, instant... Yeah, I'm sorry.
20: No, they talked about uh, our great ratings here and mm-hmm. the other, other side yeah. of midnight, although... They went to great lengths to point out that Frank Morano is ahead of us. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, well,
13: I, I that's thought. I,
20: I, yeah, but I thought that was uh, that was a bit of a low blow. We're only on two of the mornings. <laughs> yeah, He's on five. Right, right, right. So they said that's he had things. increased exactly. it. Well, yeah. Let me just uh, give, break it down for yeah. you and the many listeners. So they said he had increased his ratings by twenty percent, and they said that Much I had increased our Much ratings by seventeen percent. Well, he's on five mornings, so that's five times four is 20, so that's 4% he broadcasts, one to five. Yet we've gone 17% in just two mornings of broadcast, so that means every time we're on the air, we increase our ratings 8.5%, which means we're superseding Frank Morano. Anybody who knows that 2 plus 2 is 4, 4 plus 4 is 8 would be able to recognize that, right, Leah? That's Even I know that. Yeah,
10: absolutely.
1: Now, uh, most of what Curtis said is accurate, actually, which is the first time that I can say that. But Curtis is misstating a key element of this story. Now, first of all, Curtis was, of course, invited. He was, of course, celebrated for the great ratings that he's done. But what Curtis says there is that I increased the ratings 20% And he increased at 17%. That is not true. Um, What the numbers 20 and 17 that are talking about, we did a 20 share, which means that of any, all the radios in the New York metro area right now, 20 of them out of every 100 are tuned to me, to this show. And thank you for listening, by the way. Keep listening. Um, Curtis is doing a 17 share. That means out of every 100 radios when he's on, 17 are, are tuned to him, which is great. It's the second highest on the station. Now. Um, It has nothing to do with being on five days a week versus two days a week. No, that would be the share if he was on one day a week or seven days a week. And a a year ago, we had a 3.8 share, which is pretty good. That's what other radio stations are doing. So in a year, to go from a 3.8 share to a 20 share, that's not a 20% increase. That is a 426% increase. 426. hundred twenty six percent so Curtis as you and I have no problem with Curtis doing this because as you could hear in these clips he's really kind of promoting us and, and you know and Curtis and I are very good friends and he's prom- and this is his way of I think doing a solid to me and promoting this show while he's on but as you playfully mock me and just p- please be accurate that w- our ratings have gone up four. 4- hundred twenty six percent not twenty percent 126 percent now uh Leah had an interesting theory as to why Curtis was not invited to carmine's christening
10: and incidentally I know the reason you weren't invited to the christening
20: no I was not and I was crestfallen because but
10: I know the reason I know the reason
20: oh what reason is that Leah
10: uh, Frankie of the Muranos is blaming Rachel for you not being
5: invited.
20: Is blaming who?
10: Rachel. Rachel Emanuel. He blamed Rachel. his wife again? Again? This is not the first time?
20: No. Remember. Hold on a second. Uh, Broadway Billy, I want you to play that cut. Where Frank Morano is blaming his wife for the fact that he no longer picks up the check. I want you to listen to this, Lee. Instead of being a man's man and taking responsibility for himself, uh.
10: Well, that I didn't know about.
20: Yeah, well, listen, I, 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 know that I want you I do to listen. Know
10: that he
1: blame racists yeah. not being invited?
10: Oh, well, let me jump in. I want jump you to listen let me
20: to this, jump how he blames Rachel for this.
1: But, um,. So, yeah, so, uh, it was Rachel's doing <laughs> as to why Curtis wasn't invited. But I, I will tell you, Curtis did a whole half hour on this, and then he did an hour about me blaming my father for not being a better baseball player.
20: How do you like that?
1: So, uh, and I did feel bad after listening to that. I said, well, maybe I am kind of a jerk. I said, uh, so then I'm drive, my wife and I are driving into Manhattan on Sunday. And I said, you believe that, Curtis? He's saying, you know, I blame you because I don't pick up checks anymore, which I do. I I, I blame you for him not being invited. And I blame my dad for not being a better baseball player. And you know what my wife said to me? She said, yeah, Curtis is right. He said, you blame everybody but yourself. You're you're full of excuses. I've noticed that about you. And I got to say, I felt so crummy because Curtis kind of jokingly making fun of me made me realize that maybe I do have a problem accepting responsibility. And I said, but honey, one, I think you'd agree. It's a good thing that I'm not picking up the check all the time now. And that was your doing. So, yes. Okay. And I said, you, you, you are the person that vetoed Curtis. And she said, well, there were a lot of people that you insisted had to be at that party. And a lot of people that I don't think you're as close with as you are with Curtis. So she said to me, you made the decision to invite other people instead of Curtis. Don't blame me. I said, I didn't want 300 people. I didn't tell you you couldn't invite Curtis, which she did. I had Curtis on the list, and she got he got scratched out. So I did feel bad about that. Um, and yet another guy is complaining to Curtis about not getting a prize. L- let, me, let me educate the listeners here. If you didn't get a prize that you won, complaining to Curtis w- – Does nothing. In fact, it does less than nothing because it's annoying. You know, if you just email me privately, I will have our team of researchers research whether or not what the story is with your prize, and we'll reach out to you. And we'll if you're owed a prize, we'll get it to you. If you complain to Curtis, it almost makes me root against you. It makes me not want to get you your prize. But that doesn't stop
20: Robert. Let's go to Robert calling from the Bronx Show. Turn to be heard here at WABC. Robert. Hey, hi, Curtis. Listen,
10: uh, let me stray off the topic for a moment, please. Go, go for it. Go for it. Frank. Go for it, Rob. Okay. I won a the consolation prize from Frank Morano's thousand dollar uh yeah, they, I'm still waiting for the consolation prize. It's over three weeks. Wow. But I won your booby prize from your trivia call. And, and, you know, I got the uh, great Curtis Slewa ball cap, the belly mutt, the But I'm still waiting on Morano to send me my booby prize oh
20: wow so he stiffed you
10: oh he sure did and it hurts
13: (laughs)
1: first of all first of all uh, robert is one of the few callers that i don't mind that awful phone clicking sound where he gets cut off because three weeks the guy's been waiting three weeks come on i mean three weeks is nothing do you, do, does Robert not realize we're in the midst of a supply chain crisis right now? Now, I don't know the status of his prize. If if he would have emailed me like a gentleman, I could have said to our promotions department led by Jake the Snake Roberts. I would have said, hey, excuse me, Jake the Snake, what's happening with Robert's prize? And then they would tell us if it was sent out. If it was sent out, they'd give us a tracking number, tell us where it was. Or they'd say, well, look, we don't have a record of Robert winning. And we could have investigated this claim. instead. Now, by running to Curtis with your complaints, I'm now hoping you never get your prize. Now, speaking of the uh, $1,000 minute, apparently Curtis took issue with Marlena Shivo's performance. Now, you remember from Marlena, Curtis has met Marlena over the last 10 years probably about 80 times. Probably about 80 times. They've been on the air together, repeatedly. And Marlena has said to me, each time, I am pretty sure Curtis has no idea who I am or what my name is. So that doesn't stop Curtis, though, from passing judgment on Marlena's ability to play the $1,000 Minute.
20: Well, I want you to listen here. I want want you to listen to this, Robert. He had this young woman comedian in studio for an hour claim that she's, uh, you know, the next bet Midler... Uh, you know, she uh, she can sing tunes, it. she can dance, she can do comedy. No, she can And so he gave her the same test that you had to get 10 questions answered in a minute in order to win the $1,000 prize. He, he was throwing his softballs. Listen to how she struck out without even swinging.
1: Who first discovered gravity? Just shout it out. Who first discovered gravity?
5: I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> Come on, the apple. What's that? The apple falling down from the tree. Oh, I can't. Oh, my God. Now I'm drawing a blank. See, when it's somebody else, I can answer these questions. All right. What's number five?
1: Um, <laughs> uh, Number five. I mean, uh, what country is directly to the south of the United States?
5: Seriously? Really? Yeah, exactly. Okay, South America. <laughs> no, that's a continent. It's Mexico. Oh
13: yeah, 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 right. I mean. Oh, this
1: is this is this is not meant to be this difficult. So it was Sir Isaac Newton that discovered gravity. Oh right, yes,
5: yes, I do know that. Yes,
1: yeah. okay. Um, I
5: still uh, want the other questions. No, too, too oh, bad.
1: I'll, I'll give them to you off air. I'm not wasting questions on on <gasps> on you. No, well, because I can use them tomorrow. If oh, least, I, see, I see, I I'll, see.
20: I'll give them to you off air. All right. Wow! Did you hear that, Robert? Oh
10: yeah, a real airhead. Totally. Unlike what? the callers, unlike the callers that call into your show,
20: with so much brighter.
1: Yes, it's a real mensa. Right, but on but this Robert, show. I mean, here it As is. His
20: hear. guest, right? She she claims Sheesh. she's a comedian. She's a raconteur. uh She's bon vivant. You know. She couldn't even answer two questions about Sir Isaac Newton and didn't even know that Mexico <laughs> is south of the United States.
10: God almighty.
20: <laughs> Madonna, my, what a moron. And the, these, Robert, <laughs> don't feel bad that you haven't gotten your consolation prize in three weeks from the deadbeat, to slacker, Frank Marano, because look, look at the friends that he surrounds himself with. They don't even know that Mexico is the country south of the United States. Right, right. But I tell you what, you right. stay on the line, Robert. Avery, we need to ride to the rescue. Please get the information uh, from Robert. And we got to follow up on this with Jake the Snake Roberts. Find out why he didn't get his right, consolation uh, prize. Uh, 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 let me
1: let me interrupt this uh meeting of two intellectual giants there. I think if you combine the the IQ of uh, Robert and Curtis, I'm not sure that we're still at triple digits. Now, um, Robert, you know what he has in common with Marlena? He was also not able to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. So if I were Robert, I wouldn't be casting aspersions on anybody. He's just as dumb as Marlena is, if not more so. Now, by the way, so while I'm listening to Curtis's 12 hours of Frank bashing, again, and most of it was very funny, I must say. I I called in and I knew I shouldn't call in because I've tried to call in twice and they just kept me on hold. Once for two hours and once for four hours, four and a half hours. And I call in and I reach Avery. I said, Avery, it's Frank. If I'd like to go on air and correct some of the things that Curtis is saying about me. I said, if you're not going to go to me, let me know so I don't hang on hold for a half hour. I don't want to go on hold and wait on hold for four hours. I, I said, just let me know. You're not going to go to me. And that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go about my day. i got a lot of stuff to do here. And he said, all right, hang on, hang on. And he puts me on hold, and they don't go to me for 20, 30 minutes. And then at this point, I just hang up. I said, all right, they're not <laughs> going to go to me. So I figured, why bother? Why bother? Now, um, another caller named Steve had some complaints about yours truly.
4: Now, now the, the thing, when you talk about Frank
22: Milano, um, I, I don't know if I can say this, so I'm going to be very careful. I, I've,
4: obviously I've been listening to you for decades. Uh, I don't, I don't really care for the Frank Milano show at all. The topics or formats or anything like that, the the conversations, just, just not for me.
20: No, no, understood. And there are a lot of people who likewise think the same about me because I don't uh, talk to guests. Uh, I just riff uh, with the callers or I riff uh, in what I call theater of the mind. But I will tell you this, Stephen, it is incumbent that you try to listen as much as humanly possible. Because the guy dropped so much about me and my staff here, limited as we are. Hollywood Bill Lee, who came out of retirement to help us. Avery, whose reputation was sullied by son of some of Frank Morano's callers who apologized earlier in this show to make amends. So I need to know as much about what Frank Morano is saying as is humanly possible. I can't listen to every show in the wee hours of the morning because I'm patrolling the subways. The crime is out of control with the guardian angels. So I know it may uh, be a little for you, Stephen. But just give it a few hours a week, please. All right, I'll take I'll, I'll take your suggestion.
1: Now that's nice. I appreciate uh, Curtis trying to win over a uh, a listener uh, there. This is. Just an absolutely scurrilous allegation, and I think this is the last one that will that will play here. Uh, an absolutely scurrilous allegation, which is potentially defamatory. listen to Curtis and his other caller this 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 radio mensa meeting that they have for twelve hours on the weekend. Uh, take issue with, with me. Listen to
20: this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rick uh, in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Rick.
22: Yeah, good morning, Hawker, New York. I, 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 I called a long time ago. In fact, I have to shave again. It's been so long. So you hit on a couple of these things. But excuse me if I go to him again. I called to tell you a long time ago that uh, I think Frank is in the mob or trying to get... The mob, and of course, hit on that. But here's the reasons I think. First of all, by the way, did you go to the uh, christening?
20: No, I was <laughs> persona non grata at the christening.
22: Yeah, I thought so. Well, that was that was what the mob called that. I don't think he should blame Frank. He had probably advice he couldn't refuse. Mm. Probably the Gotti, didn't they?
20: Yeah, I think they were there.
22: You see, well, why do you think he didn't go? Okay, first of all, the, the mob museum is who? who, who for a museum that isn't something that you're into. You know, if, if you're into trains, you go to the train museum. You're into art, you go to the art museum. I, I I never understood. That's another reason I, like, why is he so interested in the mob? He also has a mob name already, Frankie Fiber O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's only, he usually shills for just Atlantic City. You'd think he'd be the rambling, gambling man, you know, shilling for all the places in the tri-state that you could Gamble, but he only acts city because that's where his base is, his mob base, you know.
20: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And he only goes to the Borgata,
22: right? Right, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Not now, <clears throat> uh, his age, he always hides his age. Well, you hide your age, you don't want anyone to investigate you because it's very hard to investigate somebody if you don't know how old they are. You know, if I, if I try to find out Curtis Lewa and I don't know how old you are, there's a million of you, you know. So that's another reason. Why is he hiding his it's usually refused to get reserved for women. So, number five is DNA. You know, he's really adamant about not giving his DNA to, like, these DNA sites.
20: Yeah. You know, he, yeah, the was. reason
22: you hide your DNA is because you you don't want to be found out for past or future discretion. Yeah, you know? he
20: doesn't want to give it to the Mormons uh, to be able to track his lineage. <laughs>
22: Now, here, here's the, the last one, and you got to put on your thinking cap for this, Curtis. Remember, like, a, um, Betty Boob's grandpa with that hat that would beep, 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 beep? <laughs> uh, you're close to – you've been around quite close. Have you ever noticed his fingertips? He's, he's, does he look like he's, like, trying to, like, you know, um,
20: remove them?
1: Oh, please. Enough.
20: Enough. Uh, he's very
1: protective of uh, – Uh, Now, again, Rick was actually pretty funny. He's much too witty to be calling it the Curtis's show because that was actually very clever. But uh, no, I'm not in the I have no interest in being in any secret society, right, because I I like telling stories, as you could tell. I think my Twitter bio says that I'm a rock cantor. Does it say that? Yes, it does say that. So uh, you find me on Twitter, at Frank Moreno, where I just tweeted, by the way, this very interesting footage um, that NASA has captured showing a doorway on Mars and has inspired all sorts of theories about life on Mars. So it's more of a a visual thing than an audio thing. But if you want to see that, at Frank Morano, that's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. But I will just say, first of all, not in the mob, not in any secret society. You know what my whole day is about, whether I have good days or bad days? My whole day is about accumulating good stories to tell. That's the whole day, all day. So when you're in the mob... At least if you want to are concerned about your long-term survival or your long-term and not being arrested, you don't tell stories. So I would never or try to be part of any group where you can't talk about what you're doing. It's the whole reason I chose radio as a career, not the Secret Service. All right. Um, we'll take your calls in a minute. 800-848-WABC. Any subject is fair game. That's 800 And then uh, on a much more serious note... We'll talk about what happened in Buffalo, which is just heartbreaking. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
0: We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
1: this song, if you're ever um, wanting to know what kind of bumper music we play on this show, uh, just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. We post them in the Facebook group each and every day. All right. Uh, Any subject is fair game. Uh, let me go to folks in the order that they've been holding. Tom is in Brooklyn. Hello, Tom.
22: Morning, Frank. Always nice speaking with you. Likewise. Great, uh, you got it. Got a lot, of, a lot of knowledge. Thank you. Um, also, Curtis has great theater of the mind. Just take all that with a great salt, you know? Fair uh, enough. Nice. Absolutely. The, You're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I, I do want to say that uh, I was taken by the calls about Avery the other day and, uh, and from Curtis's show, and I, I didn't take into consideration that I've called many times to Curtis's show, and Avery was always professional with me, you know? And I don't think that took into consideration that he might have just been having a, a bad day. You know, I understand that the cold screeners wear a lot of hats, you know, and perhaps it was overwhelming that day or just something personal. I don't know. And I feel bad that I disparaged Avery, and I want to officially apologize for my lack of consideration. Well, that's very nice, Tom.
1: No need to apologize. I can tell you, I've observed a lot of phone screeners over the years. And Avery is, I would say, one of the worst telephone talent coordinators that I've ever encountered. This is working in radio radio. Close to 20 years. More, if you include college radio. Um, and um, he is, if not the worst... I don't want to say he's the worst, because I'm trying to think... There might have been one or two other people that I've worked with that are slightly worse, but he's right near the bottom. Right near the bottom. W uh wabc Pete is on Staten Island. Hello, Pete.
6: Hi, Frank. Yeah, you know... <laughs> I got friends that listen to the show that love the show, and they love the part about the back and forth with uh, Curtis and you, you know. And I feel most of it is shtick, and a lot of it is, you know, true. I have at times called in and said some kidding around with you and uh, Curtis, you know, because I know both of is not you know, not well. We know each other from sight. We've been at things together. And uh, it's great. Now, Adrian is, you know, very good with the caller. But one of the callers that, you know, my little family of uh, listeners, to uh, 77 WABC, you know, we are in contact with Joe from Ron Concomo, uh, Jackie, Aunt, uh, Norman. You know, and we're all friends. We talk on the phone back and forth. So, uh, Adrian, I like that he's, you know, very personable. He's very good when I call, but I, uh, you know, I've been told like a couple of calls, like everybody has a bad day. You know, it's a difficult job I can say to do sometimes, and sometimes it's easy. But, you know, I think he handles it very, very well. Like you just said, that he's not the best at that, but he's got some good uh, parts about him. And a couple of that is a little sticky, you know, but uh, other than that, I love it. And I love the show, that little... Course and back and forth that goes on. It really makes it good. And you guys inform us on everything. I don't even watch TV for the news because I won't even watch the news at 11. I'll wait for you guys to come on, and I hear everything accurate because they'll turn around. Three people were killed, and then uh, you guys come on. Uh, five people were killed, and you know what? That's what it is. Five people were killed, and three people... Uh, survive. You know, you guys give the actual facts, and that's well, all I want.
1: Thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate that very much, Pete. Thank you. Uh, let me squeeze in a few other people here before we discuss this Buffalo shooting. Anna is in Washington Heights. Hello, Anna.
23: Hi, Frank. Hi. You know, I'm getting to the point where I'm actually finding Curtis amusing. I did too, but at least he's talking about something that's interesting to me, which is you. Thank, but thank you. I, I don't like when he starts to misrepresent your ratings because, you know, the share that you're getting, that's us. And I would like to know if you would mind if I just read two sentences from this very nice article sure. written by Walter Sterling? Yes, please. Okay, because I don't know if other people have heard this or not. So, one, number one is congratulations to John Katsimatidis, owner of WABC, for signing up Frank Marano to host live and local overnights. Congratulations for signing him up. And then the second one is in running market stations he says the first host I usually hire in any format is the all night star.
1: Well, that's very kind, and I gave Walter a shout-out on air when that was published, and I thank you for mentioning that again. I've linked to that piece in talkers.com on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Walter is actually a great talk show host in his own right. I'd love for him to get the opportunity to fill in sometime for me or for somebody else. Great job, but thank you for pointing that out, Anna. Hey, uh, we'll talk about this Buffalo tragedy straight ahead. Until then, your influence counts, so use it. this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Like so many others, uh, when I I saw the news of what happened in Buffalo this weekend, I was um, mortified and just uh, really saddened. Uh, And it's almost... Sadness doesn't even properly convey the uh, the emotion that you feel. It's anger, it's sadness, it's frustration, all in one. And then... um, they profiled some of the victims and I'm not going to, I'm not going to read you their stories, but if if you read their stories and look at the, their faces, uh, I mean, one that's just stuck with me was this uh, 80 something year old woman who had just came from visiting her husband in a, a nursing home or an assisted living facility. And she left the nursing home and went into a store to get something to eat. And she was shot and murdered by this person. It is to me, I mean, it's just, it's, I felt physically ill reading that story that someone who seemed so innocent, who was doing something so virtuous, visiting a sick old man who she's in love with her husband, And just something simple as get something to eat. Her reward is to be murdered for that. I just can't imagine how this stuff happens now. So that was Saturday. And then um, you have a situation where this supermarket in Buffalo, people are mourning the 10 people that have been killed. They're hoping for the best and praying for the three others that have been wounded. And. I'm not going to mention this shooter's name because I don't want somebody else that commits these sort of atrocities to become a celebrity. But this this 18-year-old guy who traveled nearly 200 miles to attack this supermarket is, um, you know, my wife put it best, I think, when we were talking about this. She said that. If you're going to, one, we had multiple conversations about this, like I imagine a lot of people do. She said, Look, this is someone that's 18 years old. Where is his family? Where are his parents? This is not somebody that's 55 years old that uh, has no parents that are in their lives. How do you allow someone as a young man to do this? Um, and then when I, I read her that story of this, um, woman who had just left seeing her husband who was killed. I just uh, she said, you know, someone's that's going to murder 10 people that they've never met. Someone that does that has no soul. And I think she's exactly right. I think that uh, I think she's exactly right now. Um, that was Saturday. So then Sunday. I get an email from our boss, John Matides. Another mass shooting in a California church, at least one dead and four critically wounded at this church in Laguna Woods. And it's funny. I have been not funny at all, but I have been looking at the statistics regarding mass shootings and there's no technical definition of mass shootings. But most people believe that um, they use the, the definition four people shot or more. That becomes a mass shooting incident. And even before this weekend, which obviously was horrific, there were almost 200 mass shootings in America alone. Almost 200 in 2022. And I had it on my list all last week that I would love to do sort of a radio town hall meeting about this. And I'd love to ask you, the listener, how would you put an end to this? Because other countries don't have this kind of a problem. There are mass shootings in other countries, absolutely. There is no country that has mass shootings as frequently as the United States does. So what would you do about it? And the reason that I, was, that I didn't do the topic yet, even before this, is because so often this becomes political, and you have you know look the bottom line is all ideologies spawn psychopaths who kill innocent people in their name so the fact that this guy was a white supremacist or right wing or whatever that to me that doesn't make the right wing or conservatism any more culpable than the than the left wing was culpable for that lunatic that was shooting at the congressional republicans at the baseball game Every movement, every single one has their psychopaths that kill people for, uh, you know, political purposes. But um, you have these opportunists that really, in a very cowardly manner, exploit dead people while they're still lying on the ground to promote their cause, whatever their cause is. So so frequently, whenever there's one of these mass shootings you hear folks on one side of the political aisle, well, we wouldn't have these if only we had better gun control laws. We wouldn't be able to have these mass shootings. Okay, let's assume that's said. Okay, then you have folks on the other side of the political aisle that say, well, we wouldn't have these shootings if only everybody was armed. If everybody had a concealed weapon, they would have been able to shoot that guy right away. Okay, let's assume that that's said. So let's assume that if your position is... We had better gun control laws. That said, and let's assume if your position is this wouldn't happen if everybody was armed. Let's assume that that's said. Now, aside from the two things that I just mentioned, how do you think we stop America's mass shooting problem? Because it goes far beyond this weekend. It happens far too frequently. In New York City, we saw the uh, t- t- 23 people wounded when a guy activates a smoke bomb on a subway and starts shooting people. In November, four students were killed, seven other people wounded after a teenager opened fire at a high school. Last year, a former FedEx employee who was under psychiatric care shot eight people dead and injured a bunch of others at an Indiana facility of the shipping company before he killed himself. Four people were killed in California, one of them a child, in a shooting at an office building in suburban Los Angeles before they took the suspect into custody. In Colorado last year, a mass shooting at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado, left 10 people dead, including a police officer. In Atlanta, eight people, including six Asian women, shot dead in a string of attacks at day spas. So... Aside from the two things that I just mentioned, how do you think we can stop America's mass shooting problem? Because this is just horrific. Something's got to be done. And it's clear that neither of the two things that I mentioned, whether they're effective or ineffective, are going to be done. So I am up for any other type of solution. You want to talk about a mental health solution. You want to talk about a spiritual solution, an educational solution, a parenting solution, whatever. I'd love to hear your thoughts. 800-848-WABC. The other thing that I wonder is, you know, this fella who I'm not going to mention, this assassin who was indiscriminately killing 10 um, innocent people in Buffalo, He was live streaming this on social media. Are you aware of that? He was live streaming it on a social media app called Twitch where you can show live video, which is to me, it's just so sick. Now, what does that mean? That means there's horrific video that exists on of people being murdered. And so. My question for you is, this video's out there. Should they release that video? Should that video be on the news? Should it be on television? Should people be able to watch it? Is there any news value to that video being released and shown on the news? I know Bill Carter, who uh, wrote for the New York Times for many years, I think now he's with CNN, he compared – showing the horrific video by this buffalo assassin um and he's saying look i know this could be glorified by uh, some haters desperate for recognition but it also might galvanize a real movement to stop the madness and then he compared it to the the photograph out of vietnam uh back in 1968 of them murdering a um a viet cong um captain, Uh, the general, you know, the photo uh, that was run in the New York Times, it rallied citizens to the anti-war movement of this, uh, this general loan shooting this Viet Cong captain in the head. And they put that photo out there and that photo really woke a lot of people up. So I'm curious, do you think that same thing might happen here? If people saw the um, the actual horribleness of this video would that would that happen would people be so fed up that they have they think oh we have to do something about this now let's assume people do agree we have to do something what then is the something what do you then do because this is going to happen again next week and the week after next maybe not 10 people are going to die hopefully they won't but what do you do 800 848 WABC serious solutions um only please 800 848 9222 uh let me say hello first to um henry in manhattan hello there uh, hello there henry
24: hi good evening uh well uh some of the statistics that you quoted in a sense uh lead to my uh response to how to deal with this you said the united states has the the most of these kind of things and one of the reasons is we're also one of the largest countries in the world so uh it may not be uh you know the highest uh, percentage. It's just the most in number.
1: Well, but it's also. Uh,
24: well, I, I don't uh, I don't know that.
1: All right, well, do you have uh, alternative statistics?
24: No, but here's here's what I'd like to say, that the fact that this is publicized to uh, mm. 330 million people mm. uh, creates a possibility that uh, a lot of people—I I don't mean every kind of person, but you know those inclined in in the demographic—are going to model in action based on what they've seen uh, or heard on the radio or. or Henry, television.
1: that's a great, great point, and and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the reasons that I don't like to uh, mention the name of the shooter because well, I. I understand. I don't like to encourage this copycatism, but it was interesting to me when I got that article about the Laguna, the Laguna Woods, California shooting. I wondered, did this shooting take place this weekend because of all the attention that was paid to the Buffalo shooting? And it's funny. um, A friend of mine used to work for New Jersey Transit, and what he told me was – that what they would do, at least when he was there, it may be different now. But when someone would kill themselves on the on the New Jersey train, they would never announce it. They would never report it because the feeling was that that would enable more, that would encourage more people who are battling mental health issues to to do that. To either put the idea in their head, or if they're already thinking about it, to encourage them. It's so, and this is such a faulty analogy. And I'll let you make your point, Henry, unabated and uninterrupted. But um, the the other thing on baseball games, they don't show fans that run out on the field because they don't want fans running out on the field. And so maybe part of the solution is we don't cover these shootings in the manner that we do.
24: Uh, well, uh, I, I agree with that that thinking. And I think you have an obligation to report the news. However, I don't think you have an obligation that it be reported so widely. Hey. And and what you could say is only in the state it occurs and the adjacent states. The Buffalo shooting didn't have to be reported. Oh, in California. This is by... Self-censorship or by... Right.
1: Understood. Not a government mandate. You you know, sort of a gentleman's agreement among the press. Well, I understand that, Henry. Now, thank you. But let's say there is a trend of going after blacks or Asians or Jews, and we've seen all those people targeted at different things, or people in churches. Wouldn't you want to know if you're black or Jewish or Asian or going to church that there's a trend of people um, killing folks like you? And if you have a church or a supermarket that serves predominantly one ethnic group that's been the victim of hate crimes, um, is there – I mean, don't you want to take more adequate security? But it's so interesting to me. So I'll add that question as well to, one, should they show the video from this murderer's live social media stream? And two, do we encourage as a society more of these mass shootings – by spending so much time covering them. And then what's the solution? Do you not cover a mass shooting? Do you not talk about it? I don't know, quite frankly, because I'm all out of ideas. And I I do think there's something to what Henry said. I mean, there's a reason. We could have done the whole four hours on this Buffalo incident and the related incident in Laguna Woods. But I I don't want to do that, one, because it's depressing, and two, because I do think there's something to what Henry's saying. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. Eli is in Westchester. Hello,
25: Eli. Good morning. Not to address this specific incident, but to address the use of guns in our society in general. We know that we're not any time in the near future going to ban armed weapons. There's a serious Second Amendment issue. We also know that we're not going to impose death penalties. But when you watch the nightly news and the local news day after day and see the absolutely prevalent use of guns in neighborhoods, young children being shot by accident, shootings going on all the time, I seriously think it's time that our state legislature and the legislatures in other states consider a very high prison sentence 40 years to life for the commission of any crime involving the use of guns and when I say any crime involving the use of guns if you're a participant in a crime in which someone has used a gun or other deadly weapon like a box cutter or something that you can use to slice somebody's face up on the subway platform. People need to know that they're going to spend serious, long time in jail. In the 1930s and 20s and 30s, when there were rashes of kidnappings, many states had, we're not going to do it today, but they had death penalties for kidnapping. And those laws had an effect. They had a a very substantial effect deterrent effect and we should do the same thing now with guns
13: well, Eli,
25: if you do this go ahead if you, if you do this you'll you'll stop you'll you'll end up deterring a lot of the use of guns now for crimes like this what we saw yesterday and in buffalo the day before um it, it's obvious that there is a lack of mental health treatment they had this kid in buffalo yeah in in custody for like five hours and they let him go right well, and that was a year ago yeah, Eli so, you're, you're you know, here are dropping the ball you're
1: exactly right Eli and thank you for the call and if you want to weigh in 800 I don't think the Eli solution is a solution to ending the um, mass shootings and here's what and now I'm not saying whether that's smart policy or not smart policy I don't think it would address this specific problem because so often we see with these mass shootings, the person who's committing the shooting either kills themselves or doesn't care if they're killed by the cops or someone else. So if you're, if the idea is to create a disincentive in using a gun in the commission of a crime, well, if you're willing to die over it, you're not gonna care about facing a forty year prison sentence. You're gonna kill yourself anyway. So I, I don't think uh I think his point about all these red flags being there is right on the money. And the same thing happened with the Orlando nightclub shooter and other things. You know, we see these again and again where we know these folks have issues and yet they're still in a position. To get their hands on these guns and go out and carry the carry out these crimes, which is amazing to me. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Lynn is in Chinatown. Hello, Lynn.
5: Yes. Um, one issue that is, has come up: um, he, this man did the shooting, and he was politically to the right. Um, we just spent two years specifically in Chinatown, where we were getting the the absolute extreme left. Uh they were um attacking buildings, they they went to Macy's and did tremendous damage at Macy's, also Modell's. Um not one word has ever been said about the people that were wounded, including Curtis Lewa, um and the people whose whose uh, buildings were damaged, uh the fear that exists now in Chinatown. Uh this came from the extreme left. Um, I'm not comfortable with the governor really going at this guy for political beliefs because, you know, it's terrible.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good point. And look, I I don't blame any left wing politician or left wing pundit for anything, any, any violence. And I don't blame any right wing politician or any right wing pundit for this guy. But you're right. So we have this sort of a double standard where when a revolting murder spree is carried out in the name of right-wing ideas or perceived right-wing ideas, everything changes instantly and completely. In those cases, even before we know anything about the murderer, indeed, sometimes before the corpses are even removed from the ground where they're lying, there's like a coordinated effort to declare that anyone who holds any views in common with this murderer has blood on their hands. They're wrong, and so just like I don't blame the left for the the people that would would uh the the fellas that were carrying were uh, throwing Molotov cocktails during the George Floyd protest. I don't blame the right for this buffalo murderer. I think every movement has its lunatics, and I agree that we should not be um, s- blaming anybody for this guy. Or any any other lunatic. I I think the problem is much broader. 800-848-9222. I want to get in a a few more solutions. I'd love to have a solution um, or several solutions where people stop. After listening to this show, they say, gee, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good idea. Let's look into that. So far, I think we have one really good one from um, Henry. Now, some people may think the uh, other caller, or Eli, his solution was a good one, too. I'd love to hear yours. Beyond the two that we hear all the time, the left says ban all the guns or better gun control. The right says give everybody a gun or, you know, give everyone at least the right to conceal carry. Let's pretend that it's all already been said because I've just said it. Give me your other solutions. 800 John is in Astoria. Hello, John.
11: Hello. How are you? Um, Real quick, I do work for the Department of Education.
7: I'm in the security industry. But when I go into one of the schools, there's a picture of boys with rifles from back in the day. There was a rifle range in the school. What has happened to this society that we've gone from that to where we are today? I don't, I you know, something has to be done, but I just can't figure out what is the solution for it. Uh, same
1: here, John. Uh, we are in the same boat. Uh, everybody knows something has to be done. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of folks that have actual answers. Al is in Fort Lauderdale. Hello, Al.
8: Hi, um, Frank. I just wanted to comment on um, the um, possibility of not publicizing these horrific uh, ac- um, incidents. I can't believe for a minute that Chicago is the land of peace, but you never hear anything anymore about the murders that take place in Chicago on a daily and weekly basis.
1: Right. Well, so, so you're saying the, the, well, look, I think Chicago's gun violence problem is primarily driven by, by gangs, by, by, by gangs and drugs and things of that nature. I think when we talk about mass shootings, like the church in California or the situation in Colorado that I alluded to, or the Buffalo situation, you have mentally unbalanced people that um, are able to get these guns and then carry out these attacks. So I I don't think what we see in Chicago regularly, I don't think that's comparable, personally, to this. Now, maybe you disagree. Uh, Let me say hello to uh, Alex, no, actually, Sean in Park Ridge. Hello, Sean.
18: Hey, how's it going there, Frank? Good. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, not to oversimplify things, but uh, I think I told you in the past I uh, taught special education for years, and I used to actually specialize in kids with, you know, major crisis behaviors. And, you know, uh, in a way, there's a lot of an analogy here. I mean, when if there's repercussions uh, for bad behavior or shootings in this case, and Um, Guess what? Nothing's going to change. I mean, nothing. If if nobody gets real jail time, um, there's no repercussions whatsoever. uh, Why in the world would the criminals stop?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, again, I mean, in a lot of these cases, you have folks that don't have any track record of a criminal history and they're carrying out these crimes. So I think uh, I think your point is a good one. But I think your point, Sean, it's similar to Eli. That kind of thing would maybe deal with the Chicago crime problem. I don't think it, do- it deals with the random mass shooting problem, personally. eight hundred eight four eight wabc Russ is in White Plains. Hello, Russ.
14: Oh, hey, Frank. Hey, uh, one thing, Frank. Is Carmine's TV debut on the website, WABC, because I'd like to see it again.
1: Uh, it's on, um, if you go to, it's not on WABC, but if you go to the 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 website for uh, Wise Guys, the Newsmax show, it's on there.
14: Okay, thank you very much. And, and one thing I want to say is, uh, you know, Curtis, uh, I'm glad he's not the mayor and I voted for him, but Curtis is kind of a hypocrite because it's, Curtis's lack of faith in institutions is what how he formed the Guardian Angels, which is kind of like a black, white, and brown panther group. And this kid that goes shooting things up, people have lost faith in institutions. They resort to these vigilante activities. I mean, I don't want to blame Curtis, but, you know, we, ha- we don't have institutions at work. Congress has failed. The Supreme Court has failed. And I believe direct action is necessary. So, I mean, I, the kid's obviously nuts. But this violence is the decider in this country. The one guy asked, what's the difference now? Why isn't it like boys' life? There's more crazy people. So the solution I offer, Frank, one hour per week of psychotherapy in school for every school job in the country we need.
1: All right, Thanks, well, Frank. Thank you, Russ. First of all, I, I want to distance myself from your first part of what you just said regarding, um, you know, Curtis and the Guardian Angels Uh, Somehow, I I mean, you know, I don't even understand the analogy that you were trying to make about America's institutions failing and uh, the guardian angels being a white panther group. First of all, that's not true. Um, Second, uh, I look clearly there's something wrong with the state of mental health in America. Um, And I would love to know how to fix that. 800-848-WABC, uh, 800-848-9222. Jack is in New Jersey. Hello, Jack. Frank. Jack. Can you hear me? Yes.
15: Uh, One of the solutions is that all, we make very stiff uh, sentences for people who have illegal guns. Number one, they don't want to do that because when they do that, the jails get filled with Hispanic and Black folks, so it's racism. So they're never going to su- fix this problem unless they make stiffer crimes. I'm talking serious crimes, like automatic ten years. Right, right, but
1: but but Jack, prison. Jack, if you're willing to get killed or kill yourself while you're carrying out one of these mass shooting sprees, what good does what good does a mandatory ten year prison sentence do? If you're preparing to kill yourself anyway, I, or have commit suicide by a cop. What do you care if there's 10, 20, 30, or 1,000-year prison sentence?
15: Well, those kids that normally do that, if you notice, every single one of them has two issues. 90% of them have two issues. They come from a broken home, and they're on psycho medications.
1: Yeah, right? well, well, uh, we'll see if that's the case with this young man. We will see. I'd certainly be curious if that's, uh, if that's true. Eric is in Manhattan. Hello, Eric.
4: Hey, Frank, how's it going? Um, I have a, I have a few points, but your last caller, um, he's right. Dude. So many, these mashers turn out to be on, you know, psychotropic drugs. Well, look, look Eric, like, Eric, I agree. It's, it's and I'm, all,
1: I, I'm all for looking at that. But the, the one yeah. thing I'll mention is, um, do you know who's most likely to be on psychotropic drugs? It's people that have <laughs> mental illness. So,
4: so, I right. mean, it's, it's. Well, Look how they prescribe them, though, like candy sometimes. That, 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 that could be looked at. Yeah, out. I mean, I, um, you, I, I won't is...
1: get an argument from me that they're over-prescribed, yeah. but I do think a lot of times the – and, again, we don't know the situation with this young man, but sometimes there's um, there's a reason for keeping these people on medication, right, right. and then when they're if off they the medication, want... they get a little a little haywire.
4: Right. Well, sometimes they, think they, they don't need anymore because they feel good on it, but like, they don't even want to look at it because so many politicians are beholden to Big Pharma. Um, about the video – I mean but they didn't play George Floyd the, the police chess camp video, which people would have not people would not have died if they had showed that video I don't well, know well, they did. they did show it's the George Daffer. Floyd video though they, did they play it? I don't know i mean I didn't play it in any way that the, it was very widely spread the video it would have made a big difference I mean some people there are people not, that wouldn't have died because of that Well, well who, that would have who wouldn't done. have died you know I mean well they were have seen i mean they were seen the whole the whole thing. I mean, the people. how many people die? Like, I don't know how many. A few. It might have saved lives. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm totally off-base, you know? All but right. the thing is... I so mean, you
1: think they should the show the video?
4: The, the, this video? No. I mean, what's it, it going to do at this point? I mean, All I, right. well, thank you, Eric.
1: Very, very helpful. Uh, 800-848-WABC. Joey is in Brooklyn. Hello, Joey.
2: Hey, Frank. I think uh, the NSA should monitor. I mean, they monitor everything anyway, but I feel like they let these things through what what kind of things you know well like uh, w- when they use words like um you know i'm going to kill or uh, whatever like keywords it, it triggers the the guys uh, in the NSA uh, building but i feel like because they're run by political guys it's uh, they they just let those uh things slide through the system and they don't go and arrest them
1: i i don't understand so the NSA um Hears that somebody wants to kill someone and they are aware of that, but they let it happen. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. And to what end? If you Think I, about it. A lot of these most of these guys, they all have videos or uh, Facebook statuses and everything. And, you know, that that should trigger the system right away. Well,
1: that's what Eric Adams said after the uh, subway mass shooting. So uh, there's a lot of people that believe that. I'm not sure that's the solution. Uh, I don't have a solution, though. Maybe you do. Sam in Brooklyn, hello.
9: Okay, the first thing is that, the, first of all, people are already deterred. What you have, what you're dealing with here now, is what's left over. The people who aren't deterred. Because The reason that the, the only people who do this thing are the people who are willing to get themselves killed. That's not too many. The second problem is that you have... Um, there's a there's a problem with the the the, the, the what wep- the, the kinds of weapons you know. Actually, I think there shouldn't be any, but nobody should have weapons that can shoot a a lot of rounds. Not even the police. If you ha- and that's legal to do.
1: Well, we've we've talked about that before, Sam. And like I, I'm all, I, I, again, I don't want to sound trite or glib. I'm tired of hearing that. Right. So we as a society have determined we are not going to do. The two solutions that are most frequently talked about by the left and right with the left, you hear ban these these mass murdering machines with the right. You say, no, the solution is give everybody a gun so that if there is a lunatic shooting people, a good guy with a gun can stop the bad guy with a gun. It's clear neither of those two things were happening. So let's look at other solutions. That's what I want to do. What are the solutions? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Julio is in Little Ferry. Hello, Julio.
16: Good day to you, Frank. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. First of all, I, I, I want to I kick things off by just saying that criminals don't follow gun laws. Okay? All you're doing is infringing on my constitutionally protected Second Amendment
1: no I, uh, so i guess look julia the the counter argument to that is well, you know if we didn't have uh and 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 this is not my argument, but this is the what somebody would say. The counter argument is if we didn't have um you know these semi automatic uh weapons manufactured to begin with that could shoot off uh forty rounds in eight seconds, then you wouldn't be even if it's a person that shouldn't have the gun, the gun wouldn't exist. that's sort of the counter argument to what folks would say to what you're saying.
16: I hear what you're saying, you know, and and I I understand where they're coming from. You know, if you're hunting, if you're a sportsman, you know, there's there's different reasons why there's fully automatic weapons available, right? If the government is able to sell these weapons to other countries in order for them to defend themselves against tyrannical government or people that are trying to impose things on them not willingly, so it's like why shouldn't we have the same right, okay? Now, I'm not getting into the whole fully automatic and this and that, but what I do want to get into is the fact that New Yorkers, for, for all they talk about, how they want to record the police, how they don't like the police and everything else like that, and they go into, like, the mayor as an ex-cop. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Curtis. But we don't need an ex-cop in there trying to tell people what's going on, what to do, and this and that, because all that's going to happen is you're going to take away guns from people in high-populated areas, right? And unfortunately, in high-populated areas don't
1: get to the areas where they're needed as fast as they need. All to. right. Well, uh, th- <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Julia. Thank you. You know, uh, look, in New York, it's very difficult to get a gun, and yet um, we had the mass shooting still take place on the subway. So, um, all right. Um, those of you that want to comment on this, you know, so the three things that I'm looking for: one, what's the solution? Two, um, should we show the video that this? assassin took that he was live streaming on the news. Is there any value to that? Three, does the media coverage of these mass shootings lead to more mass shootings? If you want to comment on any of those three areas, I will still take you. But um, we're also going to do the $1,000 minute in just a minute. So if you want to be the seventh caller to 800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC, uh, we'll give you an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. And if you can do that, then um, you'll win $1,000. And we'll, we'll talk about some uh, more upbeat issues as well. Those of you that are on hold, though, or want to comment on this, you can. We'll get to you. But um, we'll delve into some other subjects as well because uh, I don't know about you, but I'd walk around depressed all day if this is all we spoke about. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to depress more people. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno, Straight ahead. Frank Moreno, Um, it is time uh, on a much more upbeat note uh, to give one lucky contestant an opportunity to win some money, it is time for
0: The Other Side of Midnight presents,
11: it's the thousand dollar minute, answer 10 questions correctly in one minute and you could win $1,000, here's your host, Frank uh, let us say
1: hello to Gordon in Waterloo, Canada. Hello, Gordon.
25: Uh, good morning, Frank. Good
1: morning. Um,
4: like this game show.
1: Well, sorry?
25: I like this game show.
1: Oh, good. Well, that's, that's good. Now, Gordon, you realize if you win, uh, since you're in Canada, we're going to pay you in Canadian currency, not in American currency.
4: Uh, so I only get 20 cents. That's right. That's right. <laughs>
1: Uh, now, Gordon, why are you writing to us for a long time that um, you claim to have won a contest or something and we didn't have any record of you winning?
6: Well, when Gabby was uh, the, the board op there, mm. uh, you said I won a consolation cap for uh, answering a Star Trek question incorrectly.
1: And you claim never to have gotten that.
6: No, I never got it. but But I moved. So ah, I all know. right
1: Gordon all right are right. you so you ready to play the game? Yes sir. okay um timer will begin after I ask the first question uh, and just keep going. The more questions you get right, we'll just keep going. okay, what puts out fire Which country was the first to land on the moon?
11: The United States
22: of America.
1: Who is the current Queen of England?
22: Queen Elizabeth II.
1: What is the capital of China? Beijing. What film won Best Picture at the most recent Academy Awards?
22: I have no freaking... story.
1: <laughs> well, take a guess.
22: Um, Star...
14: Starship
1: Troopers. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it was not Starship Troopers. That classic film never won Best Picture. All right, Gordon, uh, C- Coda. Coda won Best Picture most recently, and it's actually a fine film. I do recommend it. I'm going to put you on hold. Of course, no one knows anything about Coda because of that dope Will Smith totally upstaging everything that happened at the Academy Awards. Um, all right, Philippe. Grab Gordon's information, and we will send him a consolation prize. Those of you that want to be heard, um, we'll get to you. Now, um, I, I'm now buried in paper here. I asked Philippe for what I thought was a reasonable request, which is, hey, Philippe, can you give me, can, give me a list of the people that were the celebrities that may have a birthday today and um, anything that happened on this date in history? He brings out. Like 40. First of all, he brings out a list of people whose birthday was yesterday. Yesterday. I said, Philippe, it's May 16th. Oh, okay. And then he brings out a list of 40 sheets of paper, and it's like one person per sheet. So if I want to get to somebody's birthday that you might actually care about, I have to sift through a dozen sheets of paper. I said, Philippe is there a way to do this in a way that does not include 40 sheets of paper? So now he then brought out an additional five sheets of paper. And so, okay, here's the abridged version. So now I maybe I asked too much. I guess I do. We've clearly gone through associate producers at an alarming rate. So I wonder how many of them are because of my unreasonable printer demands. Probably many of them. Who knows? But, uh, if you're celebrating a birthday today, you are celebrating with Pierce Brosnan, who was James Bond, and uh, Janet Jackson, Megan Fox, Tori Spelling, Danny Trio, and you know who else's birthday it is today, 52 years old, Tucker Carlson. He It's his birthday today as well. So there you go. Uh, if you're having a birthday today, you're celebrating... Along with those people. Yesterday, again, I want to thank the Idola family for inviting me to their, uh, you know, a little Ariana's christening. Had a great time. And then, you know, we were getting, so it was in Manhattan, and my wife drove, and it was getting a little late, right? And she said, well, maybe it makes sense for you just to go right to work. I said, well, I don't really have my computer or anything. Well, can you get by without it? Probably. And then uh, now it's about like 7.30 or so. And it didn't make sense for me to travel all the way back an hour and a half just to leave again. So I said, well, what am I going to do? I said, I'll go to Arthur's law office, which he's been kind enough to give me a, a key to. And I'll sleep on the couch in the Sinatra room. I have to tell you, the, the sleep that I get on this Sinatra room couch, it's called the Sinatra room because there's a bunch of pictures of Frank Sinatra in there. It is some of the most peaceful sleep I get. First of all, there was no one in the entire office. So it's totally quiet. You close the door and it's completely black. And I got to tell you, the two hours that I got on that couch, in part maybe because I didn't sleep well Friday or Saturday, I ended up being getting up at 2 a.m. both days, uh, Saturday and Sunday morning, was the most restful two hours of sleep that I think I have ever, ever gotten. But because I don't have my car, that means I'm taking the bus. <laughs> uh, but I don't mind taking the bus. I like taking the bus, and uh, I get some good sleep on the bus as well. Um, but uh, there you go. Those those are the birthdays we're celebrating today. Everyone from Pierce Brosnan to Tucker Carlson. All right. Um, we're going to try and get to as many of you as we can uh, before we do 15 Seconds of Fame. Uh, let me say hello to Michael on Staten Island. Hello, Michael.
15: How are you, Frank?
21: I'm well, thanks.
15: All right. Hey, I know everybody says it. All right. Uh, you know,
21: you were not really correct when you said the Republicans want to let everybody have guns. So the Bill of Rights and the Constitution... Separated for a reason.
15: It's constraint on That's what it
11: is. Yeah. Well, I didn't
1: mean to uh, say that they want to let everyone have guns. I meant to say what I, what I so often hear from a lot of conservatives when it comes to the uh, solution to this kind of thing is that they there should be. Concealed carry, uh, laws and more prevalent use of weapons. But look, I, I don't want to get into a whole Second Amendment debate now because in- constitutional scholars have been fighting about this for 150, 200 years, and I'm not going to solve it in a 40 second conversation. But, um, th- there are limits on the Second Amendment. You know, by and large, you can't go out and buy a uh, grenade launcher or a machine gun, by and large. So there are limits to the Second Amendment. And, in the Second Amendment, it says right there, what are the first two words of the Second Amendment for three words? A well-regulated militia. That's what it says, a well-regulated militia. But I don't want to have a gun control debate because I'm so I'm tired of it, tired of it. And you just talk yourself in circles. And I'd actually prefer a much more holistic conversation um let me say hello to rick in new jersey hello there rick
22: good morning frank just one moment how are you yeah i'm okay listen i'm sorry if you take umbrage with the call i gave no
1: i didn't mind that much
22: you know you know it's all in fun i mean i'm playing this game you know theater of the mind get curtis enough information and then his little Imagination goes wild with it, and that's what we enjoy. You know? mm-hmm. And nothing I said was a lie. It was just facts. Well, we I mean, together,
1: I think. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I think the, the insinuation that I'm trying to do something to remove my fingertips, I think well, that's I mean, come on. inaccurate. That's so over
22: the top. It, 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 you couldn't take a tip. I mean, they didn't say something that could be real. I mean, God, you know, it, it's theater of the mind. I mean,
1: well, fair well, enough. I mean, come on. Yep, fair enough. Thank you, Rick. Makes sense. Uh, By the way, let me also wish a happy birthday to one of our great listeners, Leanne Colacurdo. Uh, She is a wonderful lady, a regular listener to this show. Uh, I am very good friend. Well, I I was very good friends with her son, Bobby. I haven't seen him in some time, but it's like he's one of those guys that even though I haven't seen him in a while, I still view him as a close friend. So happy birthday to him. Uh, No, excuse me, to her. Happy birthday as well to uh, my former colleague, Eric Hastings, who has been a guest on this show, Talking Travel and a bunch of other things. So Eric Hastings, former producer of the uh, Curtis and Kuby show. Uh, happy birthday to Brian Kazuba, Mike Bradley, Felicia Agate, uh, Steve Leventhal, Eric Rosenstock and uh, Melissa Dahlstrom. Uh, happy birthday to everybody, as well as uh, Tucker Carlson and Megan Fox. 800-848-WABC. Hey, we'll do um 15 seconds of fame next. I don't want to uh, give short shrift to anybody that has something to add. So if you could say it in 15 seconds, say it. Uh, otherwise, call back tomorrow, and we'll have some more time for, for calls tomorrow on this or any other subject that you feel like commenting on. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. Good night. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, so I'll tell you the problem that I've been having, and I never really knew this was a problem. I mean, I knew it was a mild problem, but not a lot. I don't think I can smell anything. So um, my wife comes down on um, Saturday when she wakes up. She said, you don't smell that? I said, no. Smell what? She said, the whole house smells like poop. You don't smell that? No. So that's Saturday. Friday. She said, I think one of the cats urinated in the bar room. Do you smell it? <laughs> no. Today Sunday. You know, our son spits up on himself at this party we were at. He was doing a lot of spitting up. And you know, she says, "Look, I'm concerned about this. His this smells like vomit." She says, "Do you smell it?" She hands me over to him. And again, now she's just about had it up to here with me after this weekend of me not smelling anything. So I smell him. No, I don't smell anything. She said, you need to get to a doctor because there's something really wrong with you. So I don't know what kind of doctor you go to for losing your sense of smell. Do you go to any your nose and throat doctor or is it something else? I don't know. But that was concerning. So um if you have thoughts about that, um, Uh, You can email me. That's where I get most of my medical advice from. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. We will end the show as we do each and every day with...
0: The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Faith.
21: Abe is
15: in Flushing.
3: Yeah, these uh, loner, uh, disturbed kids uh, are not socialized anymore. The the nuclear family is not intact. The church is not as prominent as it used to be, so we have to have supportive... A uh, group talks in school
1: ralph is in new jersey
22: okay in this situation that happened in Buffalo, new york joseph biden set the tone on this by taking the default position on race and doing the double standard with the issue of race thank you
11: fred in yonkers hey frank the other day i went to barnes and noble i asked this kid
18: will behind the counter you got any crossword puzzle books he goes. I'll give you a shortcut, two down and three across. Chris
1: in the Catskills.
11: Change mental health hygiene laws on the state level. Elicit the assistance of convicted, pr- imprisoned gun runners. And yes, having the message over the media of uh, one in a million people that might be copycat. Happy Day, Frank Morano comes up during the month of May.
1: And finally, Ray is in Woodhaven. I watched so many stupid game
12: shows during the pandemic that when I returned to work dressed casually, and my boss said, shirt and tie, shirt and tie, I said,
16: things you wear to a wedding, things you have dry (laughs) cleaned.
1: Ray, on that note, thank you. Uh, Deb Valentine in the early news next. Frank Moreno, good day.